everybody, welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, I'm joined by Shirley, the only person on this podcast, Jeff Marchiafava. That's me and only me. And only you. Now, Jeff, and we got a hell of a show to get to. We are going to be talking about Baldur's Gate 3. We're going to be talking about the best farming games of 2023. Back half of the show, we have some great community questions. But wait, there's more! We're also joined by community manager Haley McLean. Let's talk about games. Get to the game! (laughs) Haley's classic chant. We're joined by Sarah Pazorski. Hello. Hello. Sarah, I like just the... The image in my mind of the comments that we receive after you haven't been on for a while of people screaming, Where's Sarah? Give us Sarah! We riot in the streets! And then you finally make your grand re-entry and you say, Hello. You get, you get what you deserve. That's right. We're trying, trying to keep by. me off the podcast. Trying <laughs> yeah, to keep me silent on farming games. That's right. Trying to silence my voice. You know, maybe we'll get to farming next week. We got a lot to talk about <laughs> in this episode. Uh, Leo Vader joins us as well. Well, where's Sarah? We're we're joined by Kelsey Lewin as well. Farming only. This is a farming Mm -hmm. only podcast network or uh, media network. We're a media network. It is a weird uh, bit of time because we're talking about the best farming games of 2023 after talking about Baldur's Gate 3 a little bit. Um, But it's just, I think, just a weird coincidence that also for New Show Plus this week, what won was Sarah and I devouring the website myamericanfarm.org and playing all their browser games. So we mm-hmm. are definitely backpedaling into becoming farming-only uh, content here at MinMax. The people you wouldn't even have to change the, the title of the Patreon. No, no, no we're just my farm. MinMax works. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to be talking about all that stuff. We're going to be talking about Day of the Diver. We're going to be talking about Monster Hunter Now, which I'm very curious about. Is it now? Is it later? It's later. We'll be talking about now. Uh couple things. A little bit of table setting before we get into this whole thing. First of all, uh, the deepest dive. Uh, we had a poll for Patreon supporters. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you got to vote for what game we're tackling next, which are with our huge multi-part game club series called The Deepest Dive. A lot of discussion, if you remember the podcast from two weeks ago, about like, are we splitting the vote? Are we shooting ourselves in the foot for potentially the most interesting one? Which way is this going to go? Um, and their answer was uh, no. Uh, the correct choice won based on the potential for the most interesting conversation, which was amazing. So we're going to be taking the deepest dive into Alan Wake 2 at the end of the month. Uh, multi-part game club discussion you can submit your thoughts now in week two for us to read during that by supporting us on patreon or you can unlock that full discussion and all of our other deepest dives and a ton more in the bonus podcast feed if you're a five dollar supporter on patreon but it was a blowout it was ridiculous alan wake 2 got 671 votes spider-man 2 undoubtedly one of the biggest games of the year got 320 votes alan wake 2 more than doubled the votes for spider-man the most universally beloved character of all time versus some schmuck writer Unbelievable. Uh, and then Super Mario Brothers Wonder got 206 votes. 206 proud, lovely people who I do love, but Alan Wake just uh, gave a little Goomba stomp to Mario. And none for City Skylines 2. Zero for City Skylines Nobody 2. Nobody wants to have a deepest dive discussion about City Skylines 2. Sarah? The YouTube channel is yours. If you and Jeff want to have your City Skylines discussion, please take the keys. Uh, also, other bit of table setting. Uh, we have this Tuesday, October 17th, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central, the next episode of Trivia Tower. But it's a very exciting one because this is Trivia Tower Tournament of Champions. Something I've wanted to do for a long time. We're bringing back everybody who has ever won in Trivia Tower to compete once and for all to figure out who is the smartest out of everybody who's ever won Trivia Tower. If you've won Trivia Tower, you're back for the Tournament of Champions, including the All-Stars. That's Jared Petty 
and Marcus Stewart from like the games media people. So that all is happening Tuesday, October 17th. And I hear you out there saying, that's boring for us. We get to watch good people be good, but we can't participate. To you, I say, nay, not only can you participate, but your odds have never been higher for participating because before the Tournament of Champions starts, at 7 p.m. Central, kind of the pre-show starts. And in the pre-show, how it works is if you support MinMax or any tier on Patreon, you can jump in and compete yourself. And it's not going to be working your way up the tower. It's going to be basically just the first floor. And then if you get an answer correct in game trivia, you win a game code. So normally you have to make it to the third floor. But if you just get one question right in that first floor, you win a code for Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor. Or we have a bunch bunch of other options for you, like wildcard football and a ton of other stuff. So if you want to support bunch us on Patreon. What's that? Nothing. I was making fun of the way you said bunch. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. No, take it away. <laughs> Haley's going to plug the rest of Trivia Tower. I'm sorry. No. It's going to be really fun on the mod side because we're going to have to look at so many answers to find all the codes, but we're ready to do it. We we'll give you the it. codes. It's going to be sweet. Uh, yeah, so Trivia Tower, if you want to help support it, your odds have never been higher for, for winning a code. So jump in there, get one question correct, and you can win a code for Star Wars Jedi Survivor and help support independent games media at the same time. All right, enough of that boring stuff. Can we talk about this game that came out uh, several months ago, Baldur's Gate 3? Um, in the Monday meeting, Sarah, you you shocked the world. We all dropped our coffee cups on the ground when you said that, like, I, I've only been on the podcast once to talk about Baldur's Gate 3, the game that has yes. apparently redefined your life. Um, I don't know if you mean redefined my life, but I, okay. I don't know if you remember this, Ben. Yeah. But way, way back in, like, January, you asked what our most anticipated games of 2023 was, mm-hmm. and I said Baldur's Gate 3. I already knew this game was going to redefine my life. Yeah. Yeah. Haley and I have a spin-off talk show to talk about how this game redefined our life. Baldur's Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's what oh, we should have called it actually. <laughs> Baldur's Gate Girls, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that is uh yeah, the, the Max spoilers. You all have covered Act One and Act Two on the YouTube channel from Max and also on the bonus podcast feed and stuff. Um so who all here has finished it? Hey, Sarah, you've finished it six ways to Sunday. Haley, you're in the middle of Act Three, or where are you at for that thing? I'm checking every bucket and every pale and every puddle i don't know <laughs> that's not that's just bucket stuff i'm taking my sweet time i'm dragging it out because i love it so much which i haven't done in a really long time i guess last time i did that was like that was kind of recently with tears of the kingdom yeah. but i'm per, i'm not going to bowser or mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not going to bowser they won't take me <laughs> i won't go i'm not going to get it and i'm purposefully like walk just walking around trying on clothes Dying my clothes different colors like that matters. I'm doing everything I can possibly do in this game, but I'm not done it yet. Perfect. Uh, Kelsey, I know it's not exactly your jam so far, but how has your Baldur's Gate experience been? I I want it to be my jam more. And I think part of my problem is that I started playing with my partner and that is severely limited. The like It's super fun that way, but it yeah. is really limited to the actual playtime. And I think, I think it might just be time to cut him off and... <laughs> Just do my own thing. He doesn't listen to the podcast, does he? Uh, I don't think so. Thank God. He's a Patreon supporter, though. Really? Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, Not after he's heard this. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I disagree with Kelsey in the corner. Uh, Okay. Exactly what he sounds like, too. Yeah. Spot on. (laughs) Cool. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, I am enjoying it, but I haven't hit the, like, I feel like there's got to be a point where you like just you hit the ice and you're just like skating the rest of the way and it just right. continues to be fun every moment. And I don't feel like I've hit that point yet. But I also think that's because it's been like stops and starts um, in terms of actually getting to play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you where I 
dabbled when it first came out and I tried to pick my save back up, which again was the very, very beginning to be very clear and jump back into it. There's boy, I really want to like this game. It's not clicking with me yet, but really I think it's just the combat. If I can get over combat, like I'm not a tactics guy, like the combination of focusing on tactics and just having a wall of different options in front of me, that is just like instant paralysis for my very stupid guy brain. And so I know thing for me is I actually love tactics, but like I, I apparently only love them on a grid. Oh, interesting. I, I, I apparently am terrible and get, yeah, get that like paralysis of what to do if it's not like little squares that I have to think about. Well, it is. I mean, they're just really, really small squares, maybe triangles or whatever yeah, the hell it technically okay. is in Baldur's Gate. Um, <laughs> Leo, I know you talked about it before in the podcast. What's your journey so far been like for, for the big BG, as we say? Kind of, I'm kind of with you and Kelsey in that I wish I was vibing with it more. I, I like tactics combat too, but I, I'm finding I like tactics combat when it's like short fights where the decisions matter a lot. Right. And I feel like right now I'm presented with a million options, none of which sound very interesting. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I've given it like six earnest tries and I do want to keep hearing about it and yeah. keep getting pitched on why it's the best game of the year. Because This, this might is starting to way. feel like, yeah. Someone said in the chat, this is starting to feel like a trap. And it is starting to feel like a trap. <laughs> no, it no, sounds no. like Ben hung Baldur's Gate 3 in front of my face. He's like, come here, Sarah. Let's talk about Baldur's Gate 3. And he got a panel of the two people on this team who aren't hot on it. Well, and he hang was like, on. tell, me, hang tell on. me about how it's not vibing. With, tell me. Tell me more about how you're like not clicking with it yet. I'm trying to set the tone for maybe the most negative so that we can have the writers of Rohan coming over the hill named Jeff Markiavava. Yeah, I've I've started it. Started <laughs> it. It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> it's the worst. We just there. No, uh I am I'm like 50 hours into it now. Yeah. I'm, and I'm just hopeless. I have learned. Well, I guess it's an ongoing revelation oh, that no. I have again and again. But I'm just like I just got done with the goblin camp, and that and that's after like 50 hours. Is that normal, Sarah? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's normal. That is. That's yeah. normal. You don't have to go well, see a doctor. Because it mine feels was like, probably like 30, but I know okay. other people. Like if if okay, you fully explore that. and you fully grind through it, I feel like 50 is fair. Okay. I Especially felt, if you're not used to this kind of gameplay. Like, maybe you didn't yeah, play Divinity I, or something. Yeah, I, f- I felt like this is going to take me a thousand hours based on how slowly I was going. Because it's like the first side quest that you get is you go into that little druid grove. And I'm, like, still doing stuff in the druid's grove um, after all this time. But it it surprised me so much. I have I have, like... I think I've dabbled in every one of Larian's games to this point, and they have never really clicked for me. And this was the first time where it's like, where it's really firing on all cylinders, and it's in the center of like this Venn diagram that I feel like a lot of other games have come out this year that have some kind of flaws like on the peripheries. And this one, it's just like, I'm loving the story, I'm loving the characters, I super love the combat, I love like. The exploration is really great. Um, you know, like you walk five feet in any direction and you find some new side quest or, you know, like some kind of item or something. The rewards are super great. Um, and so it's just, it has completely consumed me at this point. Okay, what, what about In a way the, that I, I really wasn't expecting. Walk me through the combat. Because you, you, you're a tactic-friendly kind of lad. What's wowing you with that? Yeah, um, it's, it is... Like there, are, I I can appreciate 
looking at it as like, oh, there's a wall of choices and I don't know what to do with it. Like it is it is the most min maxi game that I have ever played, certainly, which I, I suppose I shouldn't, you know, like saying that the combat is good when the combat is just D&D, I suppose, is not like the biggest revelation in terms of just like how much how many different options that they give you. And it's really building out characters in a way that like you create something really unique and that is then really overpowered because you figured out this synergy between all the different abilities that you can take and the items that you can find. And it's like, it, it does, it certainly does start out really slow, but once you, once you start leveling up your characters a couple times, I like that they give you like a huge party with all these different characters. Cause you create one and then it's like, okay, well here's your mage, here's your stealth person, you know, like, and you start leveling them up uh, as you know, like everybody gets all the same XP. So you can really, like mess around with your builds and you can also respec anytime uh, that you want for basically free. And so that's really nice too. But what, once I started getting some items and things that I could kind of create like a, a unique build for different characters and seeing that kind of payoff when it's like I throw a spear with Carlac and it does, you know, like 15 different types of damages because of all the feats and different items that I have and stuff. And it's like, it'll one shot a character that has, you know, 30 hit points or whatever that would have used to have been like a major pain in my butt. Like right. that stuff starts to feel really good. Or, or you come up with like something completely ridiculous where you go into like, you, you go into a, a battle with one, you know, kind of early boss. And it's like, in order to start the fight, you have to go and have a conversation with her. It's Minthara. And, and so instead of like talking to her, I cleared out all the other goblins and then I just walked in all my characters carrying like these giant barrels of like gunpowder and just like placed them all around her. So I just had like this massive trap that I could, you know, instantly activate as soon as I started that combat and like basically one shot at her. And if it's it's like super cheap, but it's cheap in a way that it's like you're not a- exploiting a glitch like you have just figured out how to min max all these different systems that they have given you. Um, in like your own unique, stupid way. And that is, that is really fun for me. It is funny to think of like that overlap with Tears of the Kingdom, that feeling of just like, well, look, yeah, you can kind of break it, but that's kind of the fun is just ultimate player empowerment if you really want to push in a direction, one with physics and one with, I guess, combat strategies and builds. Like, hey, it's just a playground to have fun, everybody. Yeah. It's nice that 2023, this is, the two biggest games both have that in common. This is like the math version of that where like... <laughs> Like, half of the fun, and this is a terrible way to sell it, but, like, half of the fun is you do something, a bunch of things explode, and then it's like, I'm going into the combat log, and I'm going to pour over and, like, look at the formulas one by one to figure out, like, what happened and, and total up all the damage. But, like, that stuff is really cool for me. I, I, I have not really ever played a tabletop RPG. Really? And so, like, I don't, you know, like, the, the D&D aspect... Like, I, I, I can understand and appreciate the system, but this is my first time really, like, digging into that kind of system and kind of seeing how it all works under the hood. And that stuff is really fun for me in a nerdy way. I love that you're reading the combat log. That's amazing. <laughs> it, well, uh, and, like, part of, part of that, like, I also should say that I save scum a ton, which, which my, you know, like, the people in my chat were like, don't worry, everybody does it, which made me feel a little better. But I do it so much that I'm, like hesitant to even try streaming the game but it's like but part of that is trying to wrap my head around the system and figuring out like 
Like, like sometimes I'll just look at the formulas and be like, did that thing actually like go off? And like, where is it? Like just trying to figure out because you can't, otherwise you can't really look at it and be like, okay, well that guy has 30 health. So if I hit him with this guy and with that one, that will add up to 30. Like you, you kind of have to have to experiment and the, and the game, you know, to its credit, like it, it's, they seemingly want you to be able to do that because they let you save scum at any point you can, you can, save during conversations and it will bring you back to that exact point. And it just kind of, and, and so a big part of it has just been kind of the trial and error and figuring out, figuring out like try and approach one way. doesn't really work. Try it in a different way. And that, I guess that's why every combat takes me like an hour or whatever, but like, but that's fun for me. And then like after that, you know, I will end up having gotten through a boss fight in like two turns, which, which would have been a, like a total disaster, but I've just kind of, been able to go back and forth and like figure out the most efficient things and get up kind of wrap my head around the system a little bit better yeah sarah i'm so jealous of you for a thousand different reasons let me count the ways uh first just having as much DD experience as you have going into this game not only are you familiar with like divinity original sin 2 and those favorite game of yours from years ago right but like that combined with like you know this language you know the rule set you know the spells it feels like home to you Whereas, like, I mean, I yeah. played D&D for two months. And I was like, I don't know, I was a rogue, but I really couldn't tell you much other than, like, the silly jokes my friends and I made. And so it just feels, it feels like a foreign fantasy land, Sarah, but it's, it, it's so important. It's hard to wrap your head around, like, all the things you can do in this game, like, all the options you have if you haven't played D&D. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the ways you could go about it, like, there's, like, 20 different solutions to anything. Like, for example, like, you get into a conversation with this character, and they have this, like, giant like gunpowder barrel next to them and they're like threatening to explode it you could just kill them on the spot you could try to talk them out of it and these are all different cutscenes. like you're literally or you have one character engage with them in conversation you send your thief around the back and you can steal the gunpowder barrel and in entirely different like that's like you could do that like the game doesn't go like hey wait a second like you can't steal it you can steal it when you're in the conversation with her and she has a totally different reaction based on she will notice that the barrel's gone yeah like there's just, like, ten different ways to go through this game. Like, none of them, like, and you kind of have to know D&D and, like, there is an advantage for, like, understanding certain things. Like, understanding, like, what your abilities can do. Like, what's the scope of my feather fall versus my invisibility. But, like, also, yeah, it's just getting yourself into that headspace. Like, taking yourself out of your generic, like, point A to point B game. Yeah. And putting yourself into a position where, like, let me just try this. Like, let me just try this crazy idea I have. And it'll usually work. Like, that's what I like about Baldur's Gate 3 is it reminds me of, like, when I was a kid and I thought anything was possible in video games. You know, like, before you realize right. that there was, like, a skybox and, like, all these invisible walls and, like, all this stuff that you couldn't do. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 reminds me of feeling like anything was possible. Because a lot of things are in that game. So that's why... Yep. That's Anyways, guys, that's why Baldur's Gate 3 is my game of the year. <laughs> this is why I, like, refuse to give up on this and really feel like I need to have played this at least... I mean, I don't know, if not all the way through. Like, at least all the way through Act 1 by the time we get to the game of the year discussions. And, yeah, I, th- I think... I feel like a lot of us are being very hindered by the fact that we, like, don't... Like, all those things you say, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yep. That sounds really cool. I really want to, I want to be, like, creative enough to come up with these cool solutions. But I am still stuck in video game brain of, like, no, of course, there's only, like, three different ways to solve this puzzle. And they've all been, like, you know, 
look up the guide and see path one versus two versus three. So I don't like, what do I do if I don't have the D&D knowledge intrinsically? Like, is there a, is there a video I could watch? Is there like a, something I, I guess, could do to just... I don't know. I guess you just have to like go where your inner curiosity leads you and then like you save scum accordingly, right? Like if you just want to try something, just try it. Like very rarely are, do you get punished in this game for just trying something, right? Because you're like, oh, that didn't work or like that didn't work out. Like reload. And, like, try your abilities out, out of combat, too. Because you can use the abilities out of combat and in combat. It's like most games where you can only use them in combat. Right. So, like, yeah, if you have, like, abilities, you know, try them out. Try them out in a village. Try them out on an object. Like, make sure that when you read stuff, you actually read it. Because a lot of it does have, like, hints. But they're not obvious, you know? It's not like the red door is unlocked at night. It's not going to be just, like, written out there. It's going to be like, Mr. Bobby keeps forgetting the key, and I hate that. You know, like, it's going to be a little more hidden, like, a little more layered. But there will always be, like, five different solutions to things. Am I blowing it by being a warlock? Is that too complicated for uh, a dumb guy's first playthrough? I think spellcasting might be a little too complicated to start with. Yeah. Because you do, it is a lot, and especially with, you know, a warlock, you don't have, like, infinite spell slots. You only have, like, a few every short rest. So it's like you have to be using your short rest or you're not getting those spell slots back. Yeah. Okay. Does that make, am I, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm picking up what Are you're Are you short down. resting? Uh, yes, yes. I'm familiar with the short rest. I got to say, being able to stream this game was a real godsend. It was like, you know, I was trying to explain to my wife last night where I was like, yeah, it felt terrible emotionally because it's like you're trying to learn the rules to a complicated board game while a hundred people are screaming at you. Uh, but yeah. also they're very helpful for like, okay, you idiot, what you need to do right now is go to the camp, uh, rest here, yada, yada, yada. And so there's just a lot of those basics, even like UI stuff that's just a godsend to be able to, to stream. I think to, thank you to Haley for jumping in the chat and uh, helping to guide me along my way, trying to navigate the beginning of this game at least. I have spent as for as many hours as I played, I probably spent an equal number like watching videos and looking up build guides and things that that's like another once once you have a, a bunch of your characters, like there are a lot of good just type in character name and then build guide. And like I have just cut, you know, like item by item, just copied some of theirs for some of the other characters where it's like, I don't know what to do with a cleric like what what is good for this and just like kind of copy what abilities they tell you to take and how to use them and that gives you like a good foothold for starting to um kind of experiment more Haley, um is it just your big super lawyer brain that lets you wrap your mind around all this i mean do you have a lot of D experience going into this thing i zero i've never played D okay for one second before this so yeah i went into it kind of like kelsey i was like oh god what's a druid what does that mean <laughs> i could be a bear i guess and like i didn't know any of the words or terms i, I was very intimidated by action bonus action cantrip system right um how much i can move how come that one's moving further than this one like i didn't understand class differences and how that relates to how far someone can jump or how far someone can push, how successful a push could be. I was like, ah, I was just, pu- I was just pushing people <laughs> hoping it worked. And I didn't really understand the systems, but what I did was supplement it with like YouTube videos. I found really helpful. And because I was having like a nerd moment for it, that was kind of my, for about a week or so, just while I was in bed relaxing, I just watched Baldur's Gate three based new newcomer tips and trip tricks videos and those like really helped me because i was watching someone else like cast the spell in the correct way and i was like oh so then the next time i was standing there with someone on the edge and i had thunder wave or whatever it's called i was like and then it worked and knocked them off i was like i get it and then now i use that for the rest you know like you just have to see it once almost yeah done the correct way 
with somebody who has 100 plus hours in the game and all of a sudden it clicks a bit better and then you start implementing those systems and then once you start reading everything because reading everything is so key like it's very easy to just look at oh that's a cool outfit and move on but if you read it you'll be like oh my god this is perfect for Carlac. this was designed for Carlac, and you put it on Carlac, <laughs> and suddenly she's a god it's like you, if you don't read things then you'll just miss that and you only kind of learn how to implement the systems within the items and within the fighting and within the t- who should be talking in your party to get the charisma stuff up so that you pass all the skill checks and stuff. It's just it's just trial and error. And I totally get why people are jumping off of it. It actually really reminded me of when I was playing Persona 5 because it took me like 20 hours to get into Persona 5. Oh but I was dedicated to like it because I knew I'd like it. It just wasn't sticking for me. And then all of a sudden one day I was playing it, I was like, Oh hell yeah! What the heck? And I like loved it, and then I put a hundred and like twenty hours into it and beat it, and it was one of my favorite games ever. And that happened with this too. I really was like, uh oh, like I'm kind of feeling like I don't like it. And then after watching videos and supplementing it with that kind of information outside of the game, yeah, I came to it and was a bigger nerd for it. And now I'm like a hundred and sixty hours in, and I'm not even done it yet. Like I'm just obsessed Jesus with it. I play it every day. Christ, are you like it's a big? So fun. Are you big Bioware fan? Um, no, not really okay. even either. Like, I don't even have a lot of CRPG experience or anything because I've only had a PC for about a year and a half or so now. Sure. So I'm used, I'm like new to D&D and I was u- new to this like tactic system too. So I was really not expecting it to click. Actually, my, my partner was the one the day before it came out was like, oh, I might get Baldur's Gate 3. I was like, what's that? And I Googled it. <laughs> I feel kind of guilty because Sarah was waiting so long for this game. And I feel like I only had to wait a day. Because <laughs> I learned about it the day before. It's like I time traveled. And I'm like, cool, my new favorite thing is out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there is hope for us, Kelsey. We can do it. If we just stick to the path and just research and read everything, uh, we can fall in love with this game. It's possible. It really helps to watch someone else who knows what they're talking about play it for even an hour sure. and you come to it with like a fresh perspective i did i watched All right, what your, are you streaming next Haley? yeah <laughs> <laughs> control but <laughs> that's easy Control's yeah easy. just come back to control i did i you did check out stuff. i did watch your last Baldur's gate three stream that's on min max's channel because i'm like i did want to see just like act three i want to scrub to the middle of this video and just watch like a pro go through combat and it just it looks so easy. Like, you knew where to click every time you're on top of it. Whereas, like, when I was streaming, everyone's like, you got to jump over the grease. Jumping's the meta. And it's like, uh, jumping's the meta? What is going on in this? Okay, sure. And you have to fall in the grease five times before you remember that. You know, like, you okay. have to have grease mess you up. And then you're like, the grease. And you know how to get around the grease. But that's only because... I got messed up by grease in Act 1 and 2 a million times. And I was like, screw this grease. I'll jump over it. Yeah, it was funny. Um, I forget who it was. Somebody in the Discord said they went back and listened to like our predictions podcast. I think it was. Or, like, oh, I maybe, saw that comment. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was most anticipated games, but they're talking about like where everybody was at. By the way, Jeff, um, people kept bringing up uh, how for the last three years on the podcast, you kept talking about how Elden Ring will never release, how it's not a real game, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, speaking of people going <laughs> to the past. But then it was like, apparently I was, this is me trying to set the template that I am pro Baldur's Gate 3, even though it's not clicking with me, but I feel like there's a narrative that I hate this game and that it's I hate all the players. It's my favorite thing it. in the community lately is like everyone's just like Ben hates Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I, oh I think God. it's awesome. I think it's awesome that he's doing like so all well. All the comments are like, "What's up with like, you?" Won't even, you'll be talking it's, about like 
some other game. They're like, stop hating on Baldur's Gate. <laughs> it's crazy. I love it compared to you. It's wild. <laughs> it. it is apparently like the predictions podcast when we're talking about most anticipated games or something. I, I remember apparently I said something like, oh, the production values I think are really going to blow a lot of people away. And even though I had said that in the past on this podcast, still going back to it now, it's still like, God, the voice acting and the animation is so good in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, even all the characters you get out of the gate, it's just so much higher than you would have expected, I think, for a lot yeah, of games in this yeah, arena. Yeah, your, your comparison to a Bioware game is really on point. And I, and I think that's what got me over over the um, hump on this one, because in the, in the previous Larian games I played, and this, you know, I didn't play them enough, but I felt like I was always just looking at tiny little characters from an you know right. like an isometric angle, and they would try and you know like convey some kind of you know plot, but it was always it always felt like that was my my viewpoint. And in this, like you're in conversations and cutscenes every two minutes, and it's it's all really well done. And yeah. even even when you're in you know like just walking around the world and stuff, you can zoom into the point where it looks as good as a Bioware game. Even like it is. It is really impressive that that they can make one of these large top-down CRPGs look that good, that close up, you know, to the point where it looks like a good third-person action adventure game that you would that you would play from that perspective. Yeah, I'm so curious to see when Dragon Age Dreadwolf comes out, presumably next year, like how people are making that point of comparison between these two cuz it's this is this is tough to top, but Jeff, as somebody yeah. who who strongly hinted that Starfield was your game of the year still this year. Is it, is it yeah. weird to be jumping back and forth between these two? Yeah. I feel like I am more hesitant now because I realize what a sucker I am. Once I start playing a game that really clicks with me and it's instantly just like, this is the best game ever. So I, I don't <laughs> want to say that, but certainly like Starfield was on the rise for me very quickly in, in uh, comparison to tears of the kingdom. And this has just, not completely stopped it dead because I streamed Starfield last week and in, in it, but it took me a while during that stream to be like, okay, yeah, that's now I remember why I was having so much fun with this pre Baldur's Gate. And it's just <laughs> like, and then as soon as that stream was over, it's like, okay, I'm going to go play Baldur's Gate now, you know, right. on my own and just play it till four in the morning every night and, and then think about it and then watch videos while I'm eating my lunch. And, and it's, it's just like, it it's the type you. of game that, yeah, it's it's the type of game that has enough depth and content there that it can be all consuming and it's and it's still like I'm sure 100 hours from now I'll be discovering new stuff still and you know watching more videos and see things that I've never even thought about and and it will still continue to impress. Have you broken free of the spell, Sarah? No, I like I still wake up and I'm like, should I have reloaded there? Did I make the right choice? <laughs> And it's like yeah. I have other games going, right? Like I have like my Dark Urge run and I'm like, do I want to be like a good Dark Urge? Or do <laughs> I want to give it the Dark Urge? urge? <laughs> yeah, Dark Urge is a completely separate like gameplay system. Like Dark Urge is like a completely separate story from the main story. What? It's like it's the same environment, it's the same plot, but your character can't stop killing people. And you can't stop yourself from killing people, essentially. But can't you kind of do that? With the freedom that it gives you, even if you're not Dark you, Urge? You can, but it's like, they made the Dark Urge run for people who want to, like, quote-unquote D&D, like, murder hobo, which is just, like, kill your way through everything. Okay. But they need, like, a like an, a like a reason. 
So they invented like the Dark <laughs> Urge run where like doing that is like part of your personal plot. Like they kind of made you like a separate plot line yeah, going through the story hard. as like a rampant killer. Perfect. And you're like, you can, you can play into it. Like you can give into the urge or you can try to be like good Dark Urge and like resist the whispers, resist the urge. <laughs> I like that because there's so many people who will only play it the good guy role and they don't, they're not used to being a murderous rampaging arsehole but this is like the game's letting me it's telling me to and that's like a, a way for them to play that way that's the way i'm gonna because i'm always a good sarah and i keep saying a good egg like did you play this act as a good egg or a bad egg and it's a good egg like i only ever play games good mm -hmm. egg when i'm arthur morgan i'm a good egg my little morality things with far right as good as i can be and i'm never evil but it makes me want to do a dark urge playthrough because they're saying no no we want you to like you can do it like here you go <laughs> guilt yeah. free unlike starfield Kill where everyone. it's like yeah starfield in the beginning you're like yeah do whatever you want then you do steal one ship like whoa 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 come on <laughs> not what this is about in space um deuterado <laughs> writes in and says hey uh who did you romance well just get three and how did it turn out so, i want to hear jeff him first because oh. yeah he's the next I, yeah i haven't I haven't romanced anyone yet because I've long saved like two times so far. So I think I'm doing that wrong. You mean too, long resting? Yes. You need to long oh, rest yeah. more. That's you need to long rest happens. more if you, you need to do it more. I've, I've gotten a, I've, got, I've gotten that sense because I did. Once I got through the goblin camp, I did a long rest. And then like it seemed like everyone in camp was horny for me immediately. Yeah, you're like behind but, on long rest. You got to yeah. catch up on long rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, have, I have not made any choices yet um, because it was, it was a lot to take in during one camp rest. And I think Asterian tried to suck my blood at the same time. And it was just, <laughs> there was a lot going on that I wasn't prepared uh, to deal with yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Haley and Sarah, I know you went over it in, your, uh, in the max spoilers, but... Who's who's the go-to here? Yeah, I romance Shadowheart. Shadowheart to fix her. I can fix her. And you fixed her. Yes. Great. Yes and no. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't want to spoil. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Carlock girly. I love Carlock. She's my favorite. She's pretty cool. I romance, and she has a whole side quest to trying to romance her. Like she's the hardest one to get. Like at my act two was how can I dig Carlock as fast as possible, and I wasn't even doing the other missions. I was just like, I need. I don't want to spoil what it is. Like I need these parts really fast. I was like running across yeah. the world trying to find the parts just so I could date her. <laughs> but she's an actual like you can fix her. She's a literal fixer upper. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> fix her up. <laughs> Literally. Got it. Yeah. Hey, if I may generalize, I've been surprised. It feels like a lot of women are into Baldur's Gate. It feels like a higher percentage of women are more into this game than other games. It, I know that's it a is, broad generalization, but... I would agree, though, because it feels like people are treating this like a like a socially acceptable dating sim. Is that what it is? Complex <laughs> you know, dating sim. Like, dating sim. sims exist and you can play them, but it's like Baldur's Gate 3 is like the socially acceptable one. Right. Yeah. And I but it's like it's got like it's got a whole RPG mechanic and I admire these women who go into Baldur's Gate 3 going, I'm going to get my man. I'm going to get a Sarian. And they learn the entire D&D mechanic. <laughs> they drag their way through the entire thing. I admire these women. And then they do it like more than once because you can split like the story will split and then you can have like evil Asarian or good Asarian and then they will literally have two different storylines. I admire them. Heroes. Modern this is day not heroes. easy. Yeah, heroes. The new Rosie the Riveters. I've been saying for a long Get time. Get your now. man. Yeah. You do it. Get your man. 
Uh, I also think the writing's very female gazy, which is like not often done in games a lot. And that's like a loaded term. Like what's the female gaze? But the easiest way I can think of it is like Chris Evans, Jack Black. Like a lot of people think we all want Chris Evans. A lot of us want Jack Black. Even current day, very old Jack Black. Love him. I like him way more than like a ripped Chris Evans. I would date Jack Black way more than that. And like, that's ironic because all the dudes in this game are jacked. Like they all have six packs. I don't know why they did that. They should have a few more thick thick kings in this game, I think would have (laughs) trended well. But it's just like the way that people talk and stuff, I think is a way that lends very well to what women like. And like the way that the type of writing that women historically can like more not to generalize because sure. no woman is the same woman than any other woman or whatever. But I just find that there's a lot more depth to the characters, which us women tend to like, I suppose. Yeah. Ah, that's insightful. Yeah. Uh, so Baldur's Gate 3, Sarah, your favorite game since... Uh, I was thinking about this, but yeah. I did like Elden Ring a lot. Oh, okay. But it's definitely up there with Elden Ring, but I think I probably like it more than Elden Ring. Okay, wow, okay. It's nice to put it... In a template, comparing it to something else directly there. Uh, curious to hear everybody's thoughts. Uh, we'll be talking about it more. I'm sure it's going to come up once or twice when we're <laughs> talking about the two tens uh, at the end of the year for ranking our favorite games of the year as a collective group. Uh, all right. Uh, farming games. These cute little farming games. Uh, 2023. Feels like there's been more released this year than any other year in gaming history. Um, we've all been dabbling some people more than others. Uh, there's a lot to go through. I was like, just looking back at some of the games that released this year. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Roots of Pacha. We talked about that, like that caveman oh, farming yeah. game. Remember that? That was all right. That was kind of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. But then even just Rune Factory 3 Special came out this year. Sunhaven came out earlier this year. Leo, I know you've been playing Hello Kitty Island Adventure, which... More Animal Crossing-ish. You know, it's that blurry line, I guess, between I haven't farmed yet, but it, for some reason it's still is a, totally in that category for me. Right, right. There's an iOS game, Japanese Rural Life Adventure, that released that, Kelsey, you've been dabbling with but aren't in love with. Is that about right? Yeah, it's very... Um, it's formatted more mobile game where it's just like, now, now check off the next box. Now check off the next box. It's like, it's a good time waster. Right, right. Uh, but Fay Farm came out a while ago, and we haven't even talked about that. Who all's been playing Fay Farm? Me. Okay, Me. I started it. Great. Some, oh wow, mostly all of us. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Sarah, since you've played a lot this year, do you think Fay Farm's the best farming game of 2023? Uh, I it might be one of the few farming games of 2023. But I had I took some issues with it. Yeah. No offense to Fay Farm. Yeah. What's like, up? My issue is that when I think of, like, a, a farming game, I think of, like, a Stardew Valley, right? Where they, like, set you up on your plot of land, they give you the tools, and they say, like, get going. Have fun, champ. Like, can't wait to see you at the Spring Festival. But with Fay Farm, it's very quest-based, and it's very, like, do this, now do this, now do this. Right. And don't do anything else, because you'll be wasting your time. Like, quite literally, they don't really, they're, like, afraid to let you have free time to, like, do what you want. You know, maybe you want to, like, decorate your farm. Maybe you want to, like, explore the area. No, they're very, like, especially in the beginning, they're like, please complete all these things or you quite literally will not be able to play the rest of the game. Um, and I wasn't it, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. It's a little... I would compare it more to Disney Dreamlight Valley Ooh. than I would compare it to Stardew Valley or, like, any kind of, like, normal farming sim. Sure. Just because it's so heavily quest-based. Um, the NPCs were also a little disappointing with the dialogue, the level of dialogue. Um, I heard that, yeah, that they're kind of all, like, very 
don't say anything that interesting. They're not work. very personalized, and they also right. share the same. They have a few a few personal lines, and then they share like a few similar lines where they'll be like, "Spring, spring's a really good time to catch fish," and then you'll walk over to another NPC, and they'll be like, "Spring's a really good time to catch fish," and you're like, "Okay, so I just won't talk. <laughs> I just don't talk to anybody." This is um, the type of dialogue that men react to, Sarah. We appreciate the insight. <laughs> it's a male game. If only someone <laughs> will tell me when to fish. <laughs> but I think where this game probably actually shines is the multiplayer. Because it does sort of like set itself up as like, it's got a really huge world. You have like multiple farms you need to be committing yourself to. And it definitely feels like multiplayer is where they want more people to find fun. Because like, I can't find it anywhere else. Yeah. I'm like stuck in the mines and I'm like, I want to be farming. But you've got me trying to drill down into 25 floors against my will, like crafting I mean, a little thing for each floor. I felt like that happened in Stardew, too, where it's like, there's not that much to do. I guess I will keep grinding in the mines forever. And yeah, I don't know. I, I actually I think Fay Farm is good. It's one of the better farming games um, of recent. But I... I don't know if I have the exact same uh, like complaint with the dialogue and the questing and stuff as you, but I just feel like the vibes are not there. Like there is, um, first of all, I'll, I'll say some of the positives first. I think the like traversal of the world is some of the best. Like your silly little jelly bouncing everywhere, fantastic! I love it. I love yeah. that you just like you're just a, a piece of jello just bouncing everywhere that's it's great it feels it's great good air control around. it yeah. feels surprisingly <laughs> fun to just get around yeah, yeah it is weird like yeah. oh yeah jumping around in a farming game all right this is rare yeah yeah i don't know it's great um and i feel like it's just it, it's very streamlined for um the like the, it's just the little things they do really well like for instance if you are watering your plants, like you don't have to water this one and then rotate your body and water the next one. Like it kind of is like, okay, you're in this general area. The next thing you logically want to do is water something else in this general area. So we're just going to automatically highlight the next thing for you. Right. Um, and so stuff like that, I think it does really, really well. It just makes it a very like quick experience and like not annoying. Like, let me, let me switch all of my equipment. Let me like, you know, it, it kind of automatically knows like what you want to do with everything, which is extremely, extremely nice. Um, but I, I don't know if it's a problem with the art style or the dialogue or the like just combo of all of that, but I just, I'm just not invested in this world, man. Like I do not care about these people and I do not care about this world. Yeah. And that's and what you want from that type of thing. Yeah, and that's my disappointment with the game is because I think it's otherwise actually very good. Like, I think it, it does all the farming stuff very well. It's just, just feels kind of meh. Yeah. Yeah, I I've kind of, I started Stardew Valley and got eight hours in four different times in my life. Oh, wow. I, I like it and then don't really feel the need to stick with it. And that's about as far as I am in Fay Farm right now as well, too. So we'll see how that goes. But Playing it with my partner, we have been noticing like, yeah, it would be different if we were playing single player. We're really flying through stuff at double speed, and that makes it feel like things are happening constantly and we're always getting new things. And that's a specific uh, experience that I can vouch for that is really good, is is co-op with your partner. And the the social elements, the characters, that's something that neither her or I cared about in Stardew Valley, with the exception of like Linus. We never went out of our way to get people gifts at all, so it's 
smashing A through dialogue with characters is all we really need to yeah. technically fill out whatever you need to do to complete a friendship quest. And it's all local multiplayer for Fae Farm then? No. We oh. have, let me tell you about our awesome new gamer setup, though. Ooh, yeah. We've had a PC in our living room for couch co-op, local multiplayer. I got myself a MacBook for my birthday, and obviously not very many gaming options on that, except for Apple Arcade. Finity still playing it. Just dropped 18,500. Congratulations. Uh, I parsec <laughs> from my office computer into the living room, so we play next to each other. Fay Farm. Nice. But it's online, technically. That's been working perfectly, and it's an awesome setup. It's really blown the doors off of our gaming future. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sarah, I was struck. We were talking a little little bit in Slack, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of other games, but Moonstone Island is the way to go here uh, if you want some some good farming games. Like that, that is that one of your favorites this year, then? I have been really enjoying it. I definitely think I like it more than Fay Farm. Yeah. But I also don't know if I would, like, call it like a definitive farm sim you know moonstone island you play is like this little alchemist who you're going off to explore the world and like do your little alchemy journey but the game you're all you're living on these little islands floating islands in the sky and when the game starts it generates a bunch of floating islands for you and whenever you start a new game your island layout will be different because your goal is to go from like a home island and explore the other islands so it's got a little bit more exploration and the islands all have dungeons on them and stuff but it's like a farm sim creature collecting card game because Jesus. you're collecting these creatures like Pokemon and they all come with a set of cards that you can like level them up and get new cards and then you battle with the cards. And then you can also farm on the side and date on the side and like decorate your house on the side and there's yeah. like a little bit of crafting. So it's this game has a lot in it, but I like that it like it scratches like my Pokemon itch. You know, it's like the pixel art's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I like the decorating aspect of it, you know, like the gathering materials to craft to make my little house. Um, so, yeah, it's like a little all over the place in terms of like genre, but I would just call it like slow life. Hey, I'm all for it. I, I do like that idea of like having a game that has a lot in it, but also farming in there, but then also focusing on just exploration of like we're going to randomize these islands, go explore instead of like, all right. I made the trek through the town once. I understand the layout. Got it. Mm-hmm. Like having that ability to jump to a new island in a very Tears of the Kingdom kind of way, right? Just slowly expanding throughout the sky and finding new stuff in there. Like that seems really cool. How much have you played of this thing? I I played the demo a while ago. Okay. And now I want to say I'm like five-ish hours in. Okay. Um, But yeah, very, very cute. A lot to do, a lot to keep you busy. It is kind of wild. This is the first time I've seen this game mechanic. But when you talk to an NPC... You have the option to just, like, talk to them or joke with them or flirt with them. And it'll tell you your percent chance of success. Nice, okay. Of it hitting. So it's, like, you can, like, maybe, like, talk to them and, like, say, like, you got it. You the 70% chance of succeeding. And they'll get, like, five plus hearts. But if you fail, it'll be, like, negative two. And so, like, you can just go up to somebody and, like, try to chat with them. And it's, like, no, no, no. And you're, like, <laughs> what did I say to them? What did I say? You know? Like, what have I said that was so offensive oh, God. that they hate me? It's kind of like The Sims where you're, like, socialized. And it's, like, then you see the little negative icon. And you're, like, what did I do? <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, I was going to say that sounds favorite. like The Sim. And you, you bring up, like, yeah. pumpkins. And they're, like, oh. And, and you're, like, what? Why? Why? What? You don't like, you don't like airplanes? Like, what? <laughs> 
let's see. Also, Paleo Pines is another game that came out uh, recently. This is another farming game, but this one is the dinosaur. Forget. And these all came out within the same like month. I know. It's People wild. People need to know that. Like, Fae Farm, I think, came out in September. Paleo Pines came out in late September, and so did Woodson Island. Like, these all, like, absolutely on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, it is bizarre. Harvesting time, apparently. But this one, yeah, instead of uh, Roots of Patch's caveman storyline, this is all dinosaurs, baby. This is about you building up bonds with your little dino pals and then going around and doing some farming, which is like, it just starts out and it's just, <laughs> if you're a kid, like, it transported me back to my childhood seeing this opening because like, oh my God, I would have been so into this because it's just like a montage of you with your pet dinosaur as the dinosaur is growing up. Clifford-esque in a way, right? Where the dinosaur is getting bigger and bigger and the bonds growing more and more. And it's such a cool hook to have it start out and you have like your dinosaur buddy that you can ride around the farm and has like Pokemon yellow vibes, right? Of just like locking you in with something right out of the gate and then you kind of build out from there. But Do you get to pick your buddy or is it... It's locked in the beginning. I assume there's a lot more dinosaurs uh, coming up that you're unlocking and stuff. But I would hope so. You get to get... Basically, it seems like as many dinosaurs as you want in addition to your original buddy. But yeah, yeah. you start with just the one guy and you don't get to name him either, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Aww. Have you been enjoying Paleo Pines, Kelsey? I, yeah, I am. I am like, I, I'm like rooting for this one a lot. Hmm. Um, but it's, and I'm, I'm playing it on Steam Deck and it's, it's a, a little rough. A little bit. Um, And that's that's definitely putting a damper on it for me. Um, There is loading screens in between like going into town and into your farm and stuff, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But like we just we don't have that in farming games anymore. So it's it's very jarring. I'm like, oh, a loading screen. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I I mean, I am really liking this. I think it's really cute. Um, It's got just enough of a twist on the premise of farming like you're also just trying to kind of like learn more about the dinosaurs in your environment and they all seem to have um different skills that they can bring to a table bring to the table so you there's like a um it's not a triceratops but it looks like a triceratops i don't (laughs) forget what it's called but you need to befriend one of those to like break some rocks that are you know blocking off part of the path and just learning the patterns of these dinosaurs and figuring out like you got to you play your little flute and try to figure out how to befriend them and find the correct food to get close to them. And then you build their little enclosures and feed them and everything. And it's a very um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a good premise. It's it's a lot more interesting of a premise than I think a lot of uh the farming games that are, you know, a lot of them are just very like it's a it's a farm and it's cool. It's nice and everything. But yeah. this one, I feel like is it's not just we added dinosaurs to a farm. It's pretty thoughtful about like how you encounter those dinosaurs and um, you know what you need to do. And there's like rare colors of each dinosaur, so you know uh, that that's instantly uh, exciting for me because I'm like, well, I'm not gonna just get like this boring blue one. Like, there's a pink one that shows up sometimes. So I'm gonna wait till I find <laughs> that one. And yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. It's 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 very cute. I'm not super duper far into it but i do have i've got three dinosaurs so far um so i'm I'm working my way through it and uh making money is kind of hard in this game i feel like that's which you also kind of need to 
like in order to get to add new dinosaurs, you need to like construct fences and like troughs and stuff, all of which cost like a pretty big amount of money. So I feel like I could be adding dinosaurs faster if money wasn't such a problem, which is which is a little annoying. But yeah, um, yeah I'm enjoying it. Um, I wish it ran a little bit better, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Fay Farm on Steam Deck was also chugging a little bit for me over there. Uh, but yeah, it does seem like. I don't know. Can you release a farming game now without like a concrete hook? It is interesting how so many of these outside of Fay Farm. I guess Fay Farm's kind of like the, you know, just navigating the world no, is kind of the, the, the island is magic. Hansel. Ah, I see. It's, it's I, see. I was upset farm. how long it takes me to get wings in Fay Farm because mm. it's like you show up and like they show you the wings, like it's on the box art, and you're like, okay, when do I get to fly? And they're like, and like, where are the Fay? Also, you, you gotta wait get for to the, the island. Fae. It's called Fay Farm. Where are the Fay? savor the fate when they finally exactly. show up it's they're, be they're not to be found yeah that should be like a four or five hours in thing you at least have your path towards the wings and that is that does not appear to be the case so yeah. <laughs> i didn't know wings were coming and that's probably why i'm enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you don't have smart yes. word, coveting wings the entire time yeah right i do i do want to shout out one mechanic in fey farm though yeah. that i think is cool which is just that building different types of furniture in your house boosts your max health stamina or magic Mm -hmm. which it taking the same resources as other stuff there's always that decision in those games of like should i really be making my house cute when i could be optimizing towards getting my honey machine going faster or whatever and it's a really good incentive to to spread out your resources across all those things and take the time to make your space cute and ours is super cute i have to say it no doubt about that different bonuses have different style like health is like rustic and then magic bonus is like sci-fi looking did they do that i don't know what they're categorized by (laughs) i can't figure out the theme Uh, when you do multiplayer are you like living in the same house or do you have two separate houses you live in the same houses but we have to have two beds next to each other we can't have that's a lot of space i think you can only marry civilians not each other oh Aww. Aww. Gate is a problem yeah. too you can't romance the people playing with you only other people so you'll That's awkwardly true. catch your partner like romancing someone while you walk by You're like, okay. <laughs> well whatever it's i like that it, in Baldur's gate you can like turn off so people can't like watch your cutscene. yeah and they'll be like so-and-so player is in a private scene and you're like what are you what are you watching what are you doing <laughs> you can like turn it where's off so people can't watch where's carlack yeah Oh yeah. no! Uh, yeah, Fae Farm on uh, Switch and Steam, Moonstone Islands only on PC. Paleo Pines is out on absolutely everything. Jeff, did you have a favorite of the batch this year? Um, you know, it's it's difficult because Fae Farm and Paleo Pines are the two that I've played, and they are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of like, for all its faults, Fae Farm is really polished in terms of the gameplay mm. and how it looks. And yeah. Halo Pines has a really interesting hook, but it kind of looks Coco Melon. Totally. Coco Melon It's for me. very and children's entertainment. Yep. It's, yeah. And so that's kind of killing it for me. But I don't know. I I played both of them a little bit and then just went back to Baldur's Gate. So what can, <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? Yeah. I, mean, uh, my I don't think there's farming, farming in Baldur's Gate, is... but there might be maybe one of the later acts. Who, who knows? Mm-hmm. My favorite farming game this year is still the just story of seasons, a wonderful life again. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Which is the, you know, the GameCube Harvest Moon I played all the time as a kid and is really not not a new game at all. But I think so. I don't know that I I don't know that that's a fair opinion. I don't think that's necessarily a better game than all of these. It's more like a 
um, a, a comfy, warm blanket of childhood. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wrote in, and I'm sorry I didn't include their name, uh, but they wrote in saying like, hey, uh, that new Harvest Moon that also came out this year uh, is good. Not the story of seasons. Uh, what? But someone was the the volcano one. Yeah, and I looked it up the like one on Steam. Like if you don't do this volcano thing, the volcano will explode and kill everybody. That sounds like a great game. Uh, no, Winds of Anthos is that what it is, Sarah? That's the volcano game. Yeah, I think that's the volcano one. Okay, it looks like it's like do seven I out of ten on Steam, so maybe this? it's not over the moon, but better than you would think based on the reputation of like, well, Story Seasons is the good one, and Harvest Moon is trash now. It's like it seems like maybe the Harvest Moon series is slowly inching up. I don't know. Uh, also, we can't talk about farming games without letting Sarah plug the farming game she's working on. Oh, yeah. So my farming game is coming out in 2024. It's called Fields of Mischia, and it will be the best farming game. Thank okay, you. great. Mark it on your calendars, everybody. Wishlisted on Steam. There it is. The name one more time is... Fields of Mysteria. Love it. Uh, hey, Haley, you pointed out very wisely. You leaned back and you wowed us with your wisdom saying, you know... In the game Dave the Diver, there's also farming. So it technically also is a farming game that came out this year. There's underwater farming and on-ground farming. There's double the farming. Jesus. Uh, huh. yeah, you yeah. blew me away recently, <laughs> Haley. How many? How much time have you put into Dave the Diver? Like 70 hours. 70 hours. And I feel like... It we, was my bedtime game for a long time. <laughs> honestly, I, I bounced off it a couple times where it's like, I should love this game. This is exactly my cup of tea. And it wasn't until now that like, it's too cold to bike in Minnesota where I'm on my indoor bike. Like this is the perfect exercise bike oh, game. Yeah. Like now's the That's time. Game. Yeah. To really jump into day of the diver. Um, I feel like when I'd be running out of oxygen though, I'd be like trying to bike faster. Like somehow that would help. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, right, right. I found day of the diver like way too stressful. Like the, the oxygen meter, like my oxygen's going away. I'm getting attacked by sharks. Like, I, I want to love that game, but it is too stressful for me. If you just get, you get past to a that. point where you have too much oxygen and you're like, hit me, shark. I can take it. <laughs> like you get really beefy. And by the end, like I have the full oxygen tank and like a shark can attack me for five minutes while I go to the bathroom and I can come back and it'll be probably fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm I only like seven hours in, but I feel well over that hump where I'm always like full on resources long before my oxygen is going to run out. Yeah, I think you just got to upgrade prioritize just upgrading the oxygen early on because i was with you sarah where i was beating my head against the wall and it's like for the quest like hey you have to kill this shark and make this shark dish for your restaurant and i was just dying from the shark over and over again i'm like oh that's right that whole upgrade mechanic because we should probably take a step back because we talked about david diver i think jenna steber talked about it a fair bit on party chat a while ago during paternity leave and stuff but it is the 2d uh side view game where you're going around uh diving collecting things doing quests all that stuff but then the fun thing is it's split where during the day you're diving and you're diving to collect resources and fish and food to then fuel up the restaurant so you're also managing this restaurant and serving people sushi based on what you're diving for during the day which i'm trying to think of like other examples of games like this that do it so well where it's kind of just a game split down the middle you know it's such a weird 50 50 experience of like ah you know it's kind of survival exploration uh game but then also restaurant sim and it's just the perfect marriage here yeah moon moonlighters was like that where it was like zelda style dungeon crawl but then you got items and you sold them in a shop okay the day yeah 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 that that is a very compelling formula that was a great game i got into that earlier this year oh nice uh, but yeah, Dave the Diver, wild success. We really haven't given it enough love on the podcast. Like it's, it's sold a gazillion copies. 
It's uh, sitting at overwhelmingly positive on Steam uh, and 54,000 reviews and still wow. sitting at overwhelmingly positive. It just seems like everyone in the world was like, yes, and we want a sushi diving game. And I think they released new content this week. Yep. Like they came out with like a whole free update with more content. It is like quite literally just a joy how much that there is in it. Like you yeah. think that you're finally done and they're like, start your farm. You're above ground farm. Like this man will farm things. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah, I am curious what it's like 70 hours in. Because, yeah, they, they added new content this week, like new missions, uh, crab traps, new night species, farm automation. There we go. Uh, That's new bosses. For me. Okay. Big, so, big change for Haley, the farm automation. I was wasting a lot of time going to the farm every day. So, so that's, <laughs> I'm curious, like 70 hours in, that's what it is? Is primarily it's a farming game at that point? Or are you just doing like super rare resource runs or what type of stuff? I'm not even really, like, I'll fish every like fifth day now because i have so many resources it's really fun like they do a lot of late game stuff this game's also crazy that so much cool stuff happens so late and i'm like you guys like no one might no one might see this why'd you put this at the end this is so much detail and effort into this like dance dance revolution scene that yeah like there's so much extra mini games there's so many little mini games and they're all different yeah and they're all different they all play so different like certain bosses it's like this whole ramped out like multi-fight thing where you're fighting them in like four different ways and i'm like this is a huge thing that i'm i'm seeing 40 hours in like are you sure everyone's gonna see this but they're like no we don't care and they like make the scenes really detailed and the pixel art is some of the most impressive and crazy pixel art i've oh, seen yeah. like especially for the cutscenes and yes. stuff like they do a lot Gorgeous. of background like you know if you upgrade a sushi there's like 20 different little mini scenes that the sushi chef could do to like show that he's sharpening his knife and then cutting the fish and then the fish in the tank behind him is like oh gulp and like like, keep going they do all those kind of things but i find uh i'm where i'm at it now i'm probably gonna i'm probably done with it now finally i think because i've maxed out everything i can do without like 100 percent completing it and being truly insane like my restaurant runs without me i don't have to do anything i have right. a branch restaurant that also runs without me and i have every staff max and i make like a trillion dollars a day and i have every <laughs> retire oh, i can re- finally sweet. retire but they're making new, the new content has new missions and stuff so i'll probably hop in and do those new missions and i'll probably be done with it um what i learned was that the vegetable sushi is like if you want to make money, just have on your farm the stuff for vegetable sushi and you'll be a billionaire in like two days because all it takes is eggplant, carrot and rice and you sell them for like 5000 a piece if you level them up. So all you'll do is just farm, sell everyone vegetable sushi. They're like, delicious. And then you have so much money and then it kind of takes the fun out of it. So maybe don't do that. <laughs> do that at the very end like me. Just make regular sushi. But that's kind of why I'm not fishing anymore is I'm just like being a weirdo and making only vegetable sushi at my five-star restaurant and everyone loves it. Perfect. A Michelin star for the fish and they're like, best I can do is eggplant, carrot and rice. <laughs> my vegan sushi restaurant. <laughs> Uh, kind of defeats the purpose. It is just bizarre, yeah, how much they can pack into this experience. Even in the beginning, like, it's not overwhelming, but it's just like, it is bizarre. Like, okay, here's a new layer. Oh, here's interior decoration. Here's the Cooksta Instagram app. Okay, now you're going to be hiring employees, managing those. You also have this phone where you can call anybody. Like, it just keeps adding systems and systems and systems. And it's like, okay, it, it feels it feels like a, dare I say it, a better version of Dredge. Like, I, I really was hot on Dredge it out of the gate. Kind of- I mean, Dredge was supposed to be more of like a horror thing, but it definitely yeah. feels 
it feels better to play. Yes. Than Dredge did. Yeah. I beat Dredge, but I beat this and then played like 40 more hours. So. Oh my God. <laughs> this, yeah. This has like more, more stuff to dive into. Dive into. Um, that, that, nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Leo. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it just made me into a filthy capitalist is what chat's saying, which is totally true. <laughs> hey, that's accomplished. You did it. Yeah. Leo, you're digging it though. Yeah. It's great. Uh, th- th- I agree over Dredge, the like core uh, tactile feel goodiness of shooting a fish with a harpoon and pulling it in is exceptional. And the chiller vibes really work for me, too. It's yeah. a really cute game. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I know Haley mentioned it, but yeah, those cutscenes, like the pixel animation is ridiculously good. Like the first time, like that special lady came in and requested that shark uh, special dish and then like her reaction and that cutscene to her having that for the first time is like, better than Ratatouille. Like, it was just <laughs> perfect. It was unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be talking about Day of the Diver, uh, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the year. It's on Switch and PC if somehow you have not heard about this game that it seems like everyone already owns and is enjoying. I don't think it's out on Switch yet. Oh, really? My friend. Oh. That's what I've been waiting for. So if it is... Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. It is a great Steam Deck game. Yes, it really feels ideal for that. Uh, Jeff, um, oh yeah, you're right. The 26th, October 26th. Yes, yes, yes. So get ready, Switch people. Oh, you Switch people. Uh, Oh, also, yeah, the weird thing is they announced their next game. Did you see this? Mint Rocket? Rocket Yeah, the developers of Dave the Diver. And it's called Nakwan colon Last Paradise. And... It's third person uh, survive. It looks like Last of Us, if I may, but multiplayer focused. What? Uh, let's see. We unveil the inside of the city filled with zombies and the performance of survivors who, despite the danger, try their best to r- secure resources and contribute to Nakon. Just wild night and day experience for uh, their next game. But uh, good on them, I guess. Uh, Kelsey. Yes. Kelsey, hello. Hi. Uh, Monster Hunter Now. Yeah. Right now. Monster Hunter Now. This, right now. I'm, I'm perplexed by this game. It feels like every story I've heard about Niantic over the last couple of years is like, eh, they're trying a bunch of stuff and it's failing, no big deal. And then there's a quiet uh, group of people who are saying, actually, Monster Hunter Now is the new game for the developers of Pokemon Go and it's like really ambitious and cool um, and it should be swept into the same bucket as all those now failed attempts from Niantic. Yeah, Niantic is a a mystery company to me. I don't really understand what their strategy is. Like, they've made some very strange, like that NBA one they made was a very weird thing to try. Um, And I I feel like all of these games would be so much better if they just only did like three instead of eight or however many they have, you know. Ingress and um, I think the Harry Potter one's dead now, but they're still doing Pokemon. I'm still playing Pikmin Bloom every day. Whoa! Um, even, it. <laughs> yeah, even though that I'm that game has gotten worse in a lot of ways, but uh, but they keep adding cute little Pikmin costumes. So how oh my god, this? I got one just today from A and W. That was a little Pikmin in a box of French fries. Oh, oh my god! Oh. The Halloween treat ones that are going on right now, so adorable. They got like a little. Like little bat charm with a little lollipop, and it's it's great. Um, anyways, Monster Hunter now that's the that's yeah. the new Niantic <laughs> game. Um, and yeah, it's I mean it's just same general formula where like the idea is to get you to walk around more and like interact with your surroundings and stuff. This one's a Monster Hunter skin. 
Um, Monster Hunter is a pretty complicated game, so this is obviously a much more, uh, you know, slimmed down version of that. Um, most of the actual combat in the game is just kind of tapping the screen to attack and swiping to dodge away from the monster. That's something. Um, and it, it, it started off honestly really boring for me. I thought like the first, I don't know, like 10 missions it puts you through are really kind of nothing. Like your initial weapons you get are just a sword and shield and you really do feel like all you're doing is just tapping the screen and there's absolutely no like, you know, there's there's no strategy or anything to it. But yeah. as you start leveling up and stuff and unlocking more monsters, because as it starts, you only get about three like pretty weak monsters that you can see around you. So just like Pokemon Go or whatever, like you just kind of see them on the map. You need to get close enough to for them to pop up and then you can you know click to to fight the the monsters um as you level up you unlock a lot more types of monsters that can exist in the wild so you're gonna start by killing a bunch of like great jagresses and getting a really crappy jagress weapon and then you'll use that to kill better monsters and you know craft a better weapon and better armor sets and it's just kind of that same um, progression that they do in a regular Monster Hunter game, but with a lot more tapping your phone and swiping and, uh, uh, you know, wandering around the world to try to find these. So uh, now that I am, let's see, I'm, I'm, uh, HR 40 in the game. So I've been, I've been playing for a little bit. It's not, it, it's not that hard to level up okay. in this game, but you, but you do, I mean, I'm playing every day. I'm, I'm killing monsters every day. Um, and I think it's I think it's really great. I think if you have one person to play with, your experience is like easily three times as good. Um, I have some friends who are playing, um, no one who like lives with me or anything, but the couple of times I've gotten to like go and walk around, take a walk with my friend and be like, oh, let's go, you know, let's go get that Legiana over there, or that Anjaneth over there. And we've been fighting it together. That's when it, I feel like it gets really good because suddenly you can kill uh, much more powerful monsters a lot easier instead of barely scraping by and uh, taking forever to grind to, you know, get a slightly better weapon to kill a maybe slightly better monster. Right. Um, but yeah, so they're they're doing like weekly events now where like on the weekends, they'll just have like, this weekend, there's going to be a ton of Toby Kodachi that spawn. Like, you know, just you'll see those way more often. So if you're like, oh, okay, cool, like I can, you know, go around for a few hours and I can just really grind out a bunch of these guys and then I can build a, a really good electric weapon and then I have that for, you know, whatever is weak against that. Um, so I'm liking the events and stuff they're doing. Um, and. I don't know. I like I think it's pretty good. I think if you want another like if you're done with Pokemon Go, uh have never heard of Pikmin Bloom because you probably haven't. Uh, <laughs> but like you want another Niantic game to pick up, I I think it's one of the better ones and um hopefully they they keep improving it. So yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a weird ride, I'm sure. Well, I will say um and this is to be fair, this is the exact same way I felt about Pikmin um in the beginning. There's really no reason to spend any money in this game yet. Okay. Like, I have not found a reason to spend real money. I'm sure they will figure out a way to change that. Like everything you can uh, spend money on right now is um, they have a, they have a paintball system, just like in the old Monster Hunters when you would use a paintball to track the monsters. Yeah. Now you can be like, oh, I don't have time to fight this right now, but I'll 
you know, throw a paintball at it. And then when I'm back home and I'm just, you know, or I'm on the bus and I'm just sitting down. You can, I can, oh, you can like again. save it. Yeah, that's cool. So you can spend money on those. Um, but like, that's not, you know, that, that's not really like a like a huge like, oh, it I need to like go run away. Save. Right. Like halfway uh, killing it, it doesn't like sprint no, across no, town. No. Okay, that'd be kind of funny <laughs> no. though if you're like sprinting down the street, like it's <laughs> about trying to go back to its nest. I need to get that an Uber. The monster's over. getting away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's, I think Niantic is capable of making good games. They just don't like stick with them, or they eventually start being like, "Hey, this thing doesn't make money. We need to start squeezing really hard." So yeah, um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, boy. Monster Hunter now, everybody. <laughs> Um, hey, Jeff, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, farming game magic. Farming game magic! Bingo, bingo. Found at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, everybody. Help support independent games, media, and everybody on this here podcast by checking out that site, finding the tier that's right for you. Find something that's sustainable, and then that makes us sustainable, and the whole gosh darn operation sustainable. And thank you to everybody who supports us, and thank you to some of our biggest supporters. You know who they are. That's right, everybody. It's Factor! Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time. You want to save time, Leo? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You want to eat well? Yeah. Well, that's Factor. And you want to stay on track with your healthy lifestyle? Yeah. Bing, bing, bing! That's Factor, dude! Three bings. Three bings! Uh, I really do love Factor. I am eager every time they ship a new batch to my house, but having stuff like, let's see, sun-dried tomato chicken, red chili pork tamale bowl, shredded chicken parmesan mac and cheese, and it's all good, it's varied, and everything. Two minutes in the microwave. Done. Uh, Perfect little meals from Factor. Uh, They want you to know, hey, too busy this fall to cook? We all are. Uh, But want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in two minutes. So all you you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Am I right, Leo? Wendy's style. Fresh, never frozen. That's it. Uh, They say, hey, looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. So this October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep. No mess. Call. (laughs) Head to factormeals.com. I was going to say the phrase call to action, which they had written in the ad copy. But you don't do that. Call to action. Call to action, ladies. Ladies and gentlemen, head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off. That's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50 to get 50% off. Thank you, Factor Meals. Genuinely a great sponsor. I love Factor. Also, shout out to stamps.com, everybody. Um, If you want to ship stuff, don't be a doofus. Use stamps.com. We have our big uh, charity stream coming up on Saturday, November 4th, and we have a ton of great uh, charity auction items we'll need to ship out. And this year, I'm going to learn the lesson and use stamps.com and save... How much money do you think, Kelsey? 
Well, well, hang on. Did you go to the post office before? I went to the post yes. office and spent over $1,000 shipping out those charity auction items. Oh my gosh. You're, okay, you're not only going to save a, a bunch of money, but you are going to mostly save your sanity and yeah. your time. Because what I do when I go to the post office, after I've used stamps.com, um, genuinely, I use this in my business all the time. Uh, I just walk up with my like big thing of packages and I just set them on the counter and then I walk out. Nice. I don't even, I don't have to say a word to anyone. It's... You could scowl if you want to. What a delight. Yeah. Uh, well, I always, like, make eye contact with the people standing in line. Oh, rub it in a little yeah. bit. Yeah, to let them know that That's you're buying Yeah, it's them. like, you can just, <laughs> yeah. you can just do this. You can do Let's this online. All you have to do is weigh it. You just have to have a scale, which I'm pretty sure Stamps sends you, right? They send you a free digital scale, they tell us. Yeah, see? Yep. There we wow. go. Yep. Next time, just walk by the line and just whisper, Stamps.com. <laughs> Promo code MINMAX. Uh, it's your own personal post office wherever you are. With stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale, as we said. So you'll have everything you need to get started. If you sell products online, stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Get huge carrier discounts up to 84% off of USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line. You can get your business ready for the holiday rush. Get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MINMAX for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. And Jeff, you can put anything you want on that scale. You can put your ear, your board games. Hallucinogenics. Hallucinogenics. And the thing about Stamps.com. I can weigh my hallucinogenics with that scale? (laughs) Anything you want, and then ship them to me. And there's no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code MINMAX. And there are two ends of MINMAX. Also, thank you to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want you to know about the Neon White Vinyl Soundtrack, Part 1 and Part 2. Double vinyl soundtracks here. There's Part 1, The Wicked Heart, and then Part 2, The Burn That Cures. What a cool way to phrase your soundtrack. They know their audience. Uh, If you remember Neon White, that uh, cool game from not too long ago, Made for Freaks by Freaks. All that fun stuff. So you can get the vinyl soundtrack at I Am 8-Bit. That was their official motto, Jeff. I'm not calling them Freaks. No, you're reading the Stamps.com copy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I Am 8-Bit.com, everybody. Help them out. Uh, They're wonderful. Check out their wonderful online store. Truly a gamer's paradise. They don't say it. We say it. Uh, And you can use the promo code OOPSALLGHOULS. Oops, all ghouls for 10% off of everything under $100. Help support I Am 8-Bit because they've been supporters of ours for a long time. And they're very generous and they're going to be contributing a ton of stuff for our big charity stream coming up in early November. Like, again, everybody over there is so great at I Am 8-Bit.com. Reach out and say, hey, we have a charity stream coming up. Could we get some of the bigger items? They say, yeah, absolutely. Here's six of our biggest, most expensive items to donate to charity. So just off that alone, please throw some love to I Am 8-Bit.com. Promo code OOPSALLGHOULS. No space, all caps, for 10% off everything under $100. And help support I Am 8-Bit because they ship out a prize each and every week to a member of the MinMax community. If you support us on Patreon, you can submit a question for the podcast. We choose our favorite, and they win a prize. And this week, because I Am 8-Bit's cool, they're shipping out the Nintendo Switch exclusive edition of Cozy Grove. Just shipping you a physical Switch game with Cozy Grove, thanks to I Am 8-Bit. So look alive, you got to remember who's the best question. All right, here we go. First question. Travis and Fargo writes in. They say, if Guy Fieri featured a restaurant at one of his shows, would that make you more or less likely to go there? More. More. More? Yeah. Who's... 
Travis what? in Fargo? Are you a snob in Fargo? Who's saying, well, guy's been here? I'm out. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. It's fun. His whole show and- is he picks up a piece of food and goes, this is so good. I love that. <laughs> He does that four to six times per episode. And, he's and then you look right. at that and you go, ugh. I guess it's possible. Have you, I go, I want it. Have you also noticed, I don't feel like I get around that much, but I feel like it's gotten to the point where 40% of the restaurants I go into, they say as featured on Diners I was Diners just going to say that. Like, yeah. I swear to God, I go into a burger place, I open the menu, and it's like, Guy Fieri, love this. Like, where hasn't this man been? But here's the thing. He really cheats because I went on a whole uh, Minnesota spree of Guy Fieri's show a while ago, and like we looked up like a database to see every you Minnesota state. You went on a, sewer, a pilgrimage? You followed in his footsteps? Well, not quite. We just looked at every Minnesota place he'd been to and then watched all those episodes. Uh, and... Uh, and some of those I was really excited because like, oh, Anchor up there, um, which is right in, near Duluth, technically in Wisconsin, but it's like my, one of my favorite burger places. It's so good. And so we watched the episode on that. And he really phoned it in, like literally. He just like sent a camera guy up there and then he just did VO. Like, mm, doesn't that look what? good? Which is, that's not Aww. what you want. You want to see him no. noshing on the burgers, you know? It's not fair. Uh, so yeah, we'll all... He's going to love it anyway. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Do you think he's ever... <laughs> Like, I would love to know, give them some truth serum and just figure out, like, have you ever not liked something you've eaten in one of these places and faked it fully? You, sir, have wasted my time. <laughs> I imagine they just don't air it if you genuinely, if you, like, can't even give a good stage reaction. Like, the opposite of Hell's Kitchen. Like, if Gordon Ramsay liked the food, they'd be like, you're good. Right, right. <laughs> a bad episode. Oh, how depressing would that be if it's like Guy Fieri's coming in and then he takes a bite and he's like, eh. Not enough grease. I'm on my way out. And then you just realize they're not going to air it. Oh, that'd be soul crushing. You probably oh, would tell would all suck. your friends that the restaurant's going to be on the show. The restaurant's going to be on the show. I bet they screen it enough ahead of time where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably Send right. Send us pictures of the burger up front. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, Steve Zevitz writes in and says, hey, Mins and Maxes alike. That's us. Figure out who's who. Um, I was recently thinking about the mythology of gaming in the pre-internet days before the prevalence of sites like GameFAQs or subreddits dedicated to a specific game existed. We had to rely on word of mouth to figure out the tips and tricks to find Easter eggs or unlock hidden mechanics. One of the most iconic examples I can think of is how everyone had a friend who swore that if you mash slash, slash held slash alternate alternately press the A, B and button in Pokemon, you can increase the success rate of your Pokeball. For me, it was down and B. That's what I heard would increase the odds that you're going to catch the Pokemon. Uh, but what are some of your favorite or most memorable examples of fake cheat codes or hidden levels in games? I didn't know that this was supposed to be like sans internet. Mm. Because I don't know if I grew up. I didn't have friends who played video games. So all mine are like from dusty game fat corners. Okay. But so they were the one that I know, and Kelsey might know this one too, is for Animal Crossing on the GameCube. I read a rumor, that like in the middle of the night, if you go to Tom Nook's like little shop, and if you bang on it with a shovel, you can bust in and he'll talk to you. Whoa. And, that, and, then, and then, I know. And then here's the thing. is like, I tried that as a kid and I was like, nothing happened. Like nothing ever happened. And then I learned when I was 20, Kelsey, would you like to fill everyone else in? No, I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder no, no, here. No, no. Okay. No, no, go uh, ahead, that, go ahead. That's true in Animal, in Dotsnobori E Plus for the Japanese GameCube, the, the third version of the game that Whoa. came out in Japan. Oh. So Basically, it's what real thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was real, but just, I had the pajamas. wrong game. Yeah, <laughs> and somebody wrote it in English, and they were like, "Yeah, no, you can totally bust in there." And apparently, in the Japanese version, if you bust in on him in the middle of the night, he'll like raise the prices by twenty percent because you annoyed him so much the next day. <laughs> but he'll, and okay. he'll like, 
Yeah, he'll like, open. He'll open. And, but like, everything he'll be like, okay, will be more expensive. <laughs> and he won't buy your stuff for as much either. That's such a cool idea. Didn't you just go back to Animal Crossing, Sarah? I am obsessed with Happy Home Paradise right now. Really? I am in like my second coming of playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> like I just got sick enough. All it took was just getting sick enough to send me back into the arms of Animal Crossing. Huh. That's just like your cozy, I'm sick in the morning, I want to play a game. Happy Home Paradise. Yeah, and apparently I missed out on like, I played Happy Home Paradise, but I only played it for like a couple hours. And that has a lot of stuff in it. It's a long DLC. I feel like I might. Grind. Dare I say a grind. I feel like I might want to go back to that too. Like, it's the time really... is now. Okay. Is it? I, I this mean, is the Animal Crossing Renaissance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like New Horizons, and I've I've said that before. But oh, really? That's you. You guys are looking at me in shock. I haven't. Said no, no, that. I mean, I, I guess I I'm forgot. Not. I mean, we we've talked about it for like a dozen hours with the deepest dive, but say. I guess I forgot that conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I think it's. I don't. It's not the Animal Crossing for me, but I do think that Happy Home Paradise while while not being like a core Animal Crossing thing, is probably a still very fun thing that I would enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Catherine in asking if anybody had a hot take on the Animal Crossing Lego sets. Sarah, do you think you're going to buy those things? I don't know. I, I, I will buy them because I am okay. in that state where I will buy anything that they brand Animal Crossing. But I look at them and I'm like, if you took away these little animals... Could you even tell that it was Animal Crossing? And I think the issue is, like, Animal Crossing does not have a lot of distinctive buildings. You know, it's not a Star Wars, not right. a Minecraft. You know, there's no, like, distinct visuals. And then it's like, I'm sorry, that balloon present is ugly. They <laughs> whoa, didn't get it right. Whoa. It's ugly. The cherries are ugly. The apples are ugly. <laughs> a hideous. I think all the, the buildings only thing are cute. But the, nook, yeah. the Nook Shop one is very cute. But then it's like, what, this is just a boat? This could have been a boat in any Lego set. I could have built this boat with Legos. If anyone is clipping this, crop me out of it, please. <laughs> Take me, me out of the narrative. <laughs> uh, yeah, in terms of like rumors, oh, this person, uh, Steve Zetz, also wrote in about like the hot coffee thing in San Andreas. Uh, I guess that was a big one. That became a, a larger than life story when it was real and in the code. That was a confusing thing. That you could hack your way into it to see CJ having sex is such a stupid idea. Um, but for me, yeah, it's like Pokemon, like it just was the slam dunk, like schoolyard Pokemon stuff. I don't know what it was about that game that was so magical. Maybe just everybody had it, but just rumors were flying all over the place. And yeah, my friend, my friend insisted that he caught a Pika Blue, like was really arguing in, in Pokemon Red and Blue. Like, no, I caught a Pokemon. It's called Pika Blue. And like, it's so fascinating to think of like, did you just see like a Japanese promotion that had Meryl in it? from gold and silver and then that's how the word kelsey do you know is that where pika blue came from that yeah pika okay. blue was meryl like was that was like an early sneak preview of the next generation like meryl was one of the first pokemon that was i don't know shown in the media in any way and yeah. so yeah people thought people just named him pika blue that is weird. Have I just fallen out of love with pokemon and gotten out of the loop but i it's weird to even think of meryl as like a pikachu clone like, maybe they just got so much closer later There's on. There's one every generation. Is it every generation? We got Pikachu? Mimikyu. Yeah. What do you think Dedene is for? Like, and then Mimikyu? Dedene? The plus and minus little guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it really? Raticate. <laughs> They're always there. Yeah. Uh, Alex Britt writes in and says, what's the biggest change you made in your life that brought you the most happiness? What the heck? What the <laughs> I'm sorry. We can we can take a dumber question if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want to see how people answer this. Okay. 
biggest change that has brought I you the most happiness? I had one where I had a mind shift where, and I don't know how old I was, but you know that feeling where you're trying to get somebody to like you and you're talking to them and you're like, oh, I got to ask another question. There's a pause and they won't like me if I don't keep up the combo. Podcasting? And I got to some point in my what's that i said podcasting sorry i interrupted you because there was a pause go ahead <laughs> i was like exactly yeah. what i was talking wow. about <laughs> and then one day i woke up and i'm like are they trying that hard with me and i like thought about it really critically and i'm like if they're not gonna try hard i'm not either and it like really changed the way that i like feel anxious around other people if i'm like hey how's it going okay like, hey. like well how was your weekend oh it's fine and then they don't talk to me. I'm like, cool, bye. Like, I just don't feel the need to be like, uh, how are your kids? Like, uh, question, question, question. You just must like, okay, like you don't me. Care. That's, that's a good lesson. And when did you learn this? I probably was like third year university or something. And I was just slowly starting to get tired and tired or tired. <laughs> have less energy to expend on other people. Yeah. That takes self-confidence too. That takes like knowing that you're a person who's fun to spend time with and like you don't have to give that to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was in high school, I had no confidence in that way. And I would just be like, oh, God, I got to be entertaining at all times. It was exhausting. And now I'm like, I could care less. Goodbye. Like, I'm tired. Totally. Now. <laughs> I know this is just probably some, some deep anxiety and stuff. But what percentage of the time when you all are talking to other people, are you thinking about the way you look? Not like in a, I don't think, overly superficial way. Like, oh, my hair looks stupid or something. But like. I was if just having staring a specific place. Like if they're looking at looking down at like my nose a lot, I'm like, oh, shit, what's wrong with my nose? Like <laughs> otherwise, I don't think I think of it that much. And what was wrong with your nose? It was big. <laughs> okay, that's not true. Uh, no, I just you know I was in a situation recently. We were doing a bunch of house stuff, right? And uh, talking about buying a house and like talking to the inspector. All I could think about the entire time is he was saying a bunch of words I didn't understand was, I hope I look like I understand what he's talking about right now. Uh, it was just like a constant refresh refrain in my mind of just, just, just try what, and convey. Can you show us your face? Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> yeah, like can a, you your, your house it? face. Yeah. So normally my face is blah, 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 video games, blah, 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 blah. But then if I'm trying to really seem like an adult that knows what somebody's talking about, I literally have a little mental trick where I think of like focusing energy in a certain part of my brain. I really do. It's a weird thing. But here's, here's, here, here it is. Okay. You tell me, you tell me how it goes. Okay. I'll do this old fashioned thing. The hand over the face move for the video people watching. So this is stupid, normal me. And then. I can't do it no laughing. Just imagine that I look like a very serious adult who knew everything about houses in that moment. Were you like nodding a lot? That was the secret. You have to I nod a lot. That all you have to do mm. is like nod and go like, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. You kind of oh, like yeah, narrow yeah. your eyes a little bit and like have a like a thoughtful. So nobody mm -hmm. else has like has a mode of I'm going to pretend to be a super adult right now mode? I mean, For some yeah, time. like internal oh, monologue. sure. But I'm, I'm not worried about if I look like a super adult while I'm doing it, I guess. Okay, maybe I just am a default to dopey smile more often, you know? So I'm trying to wipe that off my own stupid face. <laughs> I, like I think to... I get hyper aware of how short I am sometimes in those situations. Like, mm. especially in, like when an adult is saying serious adult stuff to me, but they have to literally like look down at me oh, and I'm no. looking up at them. I'm like, just is anyone taking this interaction seriously? I always <laughs> expect like like when I'm with someone telling me something super serious, I'm also short. I'm also Kelsey height. I expect them to like take a knee and go like, hey champ, I gotta talk to you about <laughs> something. Your hair a little bit. <laughs> take that lolly yeah. out of your mouth. We gotta have a serious chat. Come on. Uh, a couple years ago I started really making a goal out of like self-compassion. 
out mm. of like forgiving myself for things. And mainly when I have a thought about be, thinking I'm stupid or I did something super wrong, like taking the time to go like, here's what I wish I thought instead and form that thought and think that for a little bit. And over the course of like a year, that really like changed the way I thought about myself. Just, like I was I really like surprised how learnable that is. I like that a lot because it's really hard to when people are like, oh, just like think nice things about yourself instead. I don't know. Framing it as like, well, I wish I was thinking this nice thing about myself is uh, like that's a much easier goal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you like don't believe it. But you're like, this would be nice. And then you do it long enough. If you make it a concerted goal, eventually I believed it. And now I believe it. And now it's like my default thought. Nice. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, Neil Brennan, the comedian, he has a bit where he just has a stupid song. And it's one of those stupid songs that's like, ah, it's stuck in my brain because it's effective. And it's a stupid song where he just goes, nobody's mad at you. Nobody's mad at you. You're having a private experience. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's a nice little <laughs> refrain to run through your head every once in a while. No one's even thinking about you, let alone mad about you. Uh, unless sure. you're I, Holly, Holly Hunt. What's the, what's the, hang on, let me. Hang on. Everybody, hold up. Uh, quick Google to nail this joke. Yeah. Uh, no one's mad about you unless you're Helen Hunt. Uh, <laughs> nice. Worth nice. it. Mad nice. about nice. you. Hang on. Are you guys mad at yeah. me now because I made a bad joke and forced it? <laughs> I, I just want to say on that topic one more thing just because yeah. it is so important to me. It's like that really has been the key to so many things about uh, motivating myself and being self-employed and things. Forgiving myself for not hitting my goals mm. is like the only first step towards actually hitting them. If you just keep beating yourself up about not doing what you intended to do, it just spirals and gets worse and worse and worse. And you had a, a patch of that? For sure. All the time. If, if a day, like, if I was like, oh, I had a free day to do nothing but this work and then I didn't do it, then it's like spoils my mindset for the next few days too versus going like, I know sometimes my brain is going to try to rest no matter what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I've talked about it a lot, but like getting into biking, even just like, uh, during the winter, like an exercise bike, just biking for an hour every morning truly changes my mood throughout the entire day. Like it, it lowers anxiety. And like, I know this is, we've talked about it in party chat a lot, but if I don't exercise for an hour in the morning, I can hear myself stumble over my words four times as much on a podcast, which I'm very self-conscious about. It's, it's just, it's bizarre how tangible it is. Like, oh, just hour biking really smooth things out in a big way. When I would work out before I played Siege, I would have better aim. Really? My reflexes wow. and like fine mouse movement was noticeably different. Nice. Just from like the blood flow, I guess. And just your workout routine was just lifting a heavy gun yeah, around the house? Like Oh, the fingers? Uh, I, I hold a mouse in each hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's worked for me uh, consistently with my health is stop. I, I stopped framing it as like, oh, I should like eat healthier so I can lose five pounds or whatever. Like I should have more toned abs or whatever. And just started thinking of it kind of like... Um, like, kind of what biking is doing for you, which is just like, I am just a better human when I get some regular exercise and put right. better food in my body. So um, I've been switching my mindset to that uh, and not worrying about how it physically affects like my my outward appearance and just being like, well, if I have protein, then I just feel better. If I you know <laughs> have a, have vegetables and do 
you know, 15 minutes of working out in the morning or something. Um, that's the only thing that's kept me consistent and it's been very helpful. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's a great, great mindset. Sure. I, I, your body totally does like ask for things. Sometimes I'll feel off and be like, oh, yeah, I haven't had fruit today. Like, what if I just had an apple? And it helps a lot. And <laughs> just, yeah, you. more attainable, less negative consequences if you don't do it, you know, mentally. Yeah. Speaking of negative consequences, uh, Jump on Everything writes in and says, what is a game you considered bad or even terrible, but you still love to play? I only like good games. Oh, interesting. <laughs> You've come to the right place, sir. Does it count if the game is, like, bad for you? Uh, like, Dead by Daylight's so bad for me. It makes me so angry, but I play it so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah, we're just become so toxic in the online space and the competitive nature that it truly feels bad, even if it's not. Dead by Daylight people are so toxic, and I'm a mm-hmm. Dead by Daylight person, so I can say that. I'm not coming for anyone, but God, the teabagging, <laughs> the griefing, the, oh, I'm at the gate, you can't get me, oh, the teabag, teabag. I just was like... <laughs> it makes me rage. But then I load up and I queue up another game and I try to kill them all again. <laughs> so what am I doing to myself? Yeah, that is that is a good distinction. I, I I kind of push back on like if you like a game, it is good. It's all subjective, whatever. But like that is the the exception is when I would like play Sniper Elite multiplayer or whatever for three hours and be like, I was just mad that whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> add anything to my life. Yeah, what am I doing? That question made me think of the old. Um, Ninja Gaiden games Ooh. that I like playing through, which are just objectively just not good or fun games, but the like I played them at a time in my life where I was open to that kind of trial and error until you just kind of wrote, memorize, you know, levels and things, and it it got very zen for me, you know, in a weird way that I wouldn't recommend for anybody, but um, worked for me at the time. Yeah. Yeah, oh, like any game like that becomes fun if you're trading it off with friends. We did that with Ninja Gaiden, and it was a really good experience. We've done it with, like, Rugrats games for Game Boy. Like, just switching off every death gives it an energy. <laughs> of Rugrats every death. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's like Tomb Raider. The animations are crazy. <laughs> that explains why you were so good at the Shrek game and why you had right. to carry us through it. I love switching <laughs> off. I was just talking about that game recently, how surprisingly good that that co-op was the hero time the moments where one person would get yeah. highlighted and do yes. a special mini game every co-op Incredible. game needs that for sure uh michael griffin says hello minius maximus that's us um with the recent announcement of the ps5 slim i was wondering what everyone's favorite console slash handheld revisions are mine is probably one that i remember most fondly as a kid which is the gba sp that's a that's a biggie with the light that's a good one yeah yeah um kelsey i saw pink gorilla post something on instagram recently which was like the famicom colored gba sp like yeah i didn't even realize that was a thing like i don't know how that completely slipped by my radar i was like well that's such a weird there's idea there's also an nes one okay but they released the famicom color version in the states no i don't think so okay okay that's what i was confused about it's like that's a weird i think detail. it was only in japan um but yeah that one that one's cool i don't know they, nintendo's so good at special edition consoles and uh i don't know we've we've talked about this before but they have not leaned into it enough with the switch i feel like yeah um my favorite's the ds Lite. i feel like it's just the it's just the perfect handheld like no flaws best form factor yeah 
Fits in, I mean, not in girl pockets, but fits in like any normal pocket. <laughs> fits in yeah. a purse. Unlike abnormal yeah, girl pockets. In, in like a coat pocket. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, just really, I don't know. It's beautiful. I feel like it's the it's just the perfect shape and the perfect feeling handheld. And I don't know. I don't know so how good. they can nail it more than that. Yeah, it's know? also like, I, depending on, you know, when you look in the rearview mirror for the light as well and what was coming from, which was a monstrosity dev unit looking thing with the original mm-hmm. DS, like it just feels night and day. <laughs> and then you yeah, just came I, out in the color gray, the ugliest color. Why would they do that? Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I had been kind of checked out on... Um, Nintendo things and so I got the DS Lite and then and then I saw someone playing the original DS for and it was like the first time I had seen one and it was such an ugly monstrosity that I was like what what is even in your hands and why aren't you throwing it in that garbage can <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I have mine right here don't show it to us what? we're gonna freak out don't. please no. seriously if you show it we have to blur it out yeah I'm serious <laughs> don't show that on the internet um, and yeah. it's still somehow better than the prototype DS, like the one that oh, gosh. they were showing off when they first announced the DS, like it still is an improvement on that. Really, one I don't even know. It, yeah. Oh, hang on. I it it has like weird like lines. Yeah. On it. Yep. Oh, it looks like a little handheld computer from like 1993. The prototype DS. It just it's going to help you learn the ABCs or something. The beige one. Yeah, it looks beigey in the lighting in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just kind of like a light gray, but maybe it is kind of Ish. beigey. But yeah, it's it's got like weird little oh. indents on the sides, yeah. and it's just a like it's just a straight line down the console. And maybe I I, know, it's ma- not good. Maybe it's I'm like out of an the... end of, like a McDonald's toy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Am I out of the loop on the PS5 Slim thing? Like, I it's probably my least favorite uh, revision, <laughs> just for seeing it, and then. I, is it actually slim? Because I have the PS2 slim, and that's genuinely, it's like like notebook size yeah, slim. Yeah, it's delightful. We too, you're abusing the word slim here. It's not slim at all. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, there's a lot of squinting and like reading the entire PlayStation blog post, but what is this? How different? It, it's 30% quieter, and it's a little bit skinnier. Like, I, I, I don't want to have to squint at a revision. It's less exciting that way. The PS5 slim feels like the perfect example. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking at is the difference here. Uh, detachable disk drive, all that stuff. Uh, Vincent L, hot one for you, Kelsey. What is your preferred matchup for the World Series? Go. Oh well, uh, I was hoping the Orioles would make it, but they just got eliminated yesterday, so that's not going to happen anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, twins. Hey, Let's get the twin. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> ideal. It. Ideal. It's twins I, I, versus. I guess Diamondbacks because I hate everyone else on the National League side right okay. now. I'm so I'm a Mets fan, so that puts the Braves out, the Phillies out. Um, I'm honestly rooting for like a meteor to happen during that that series <laughs> rather than either of those two teams advance. Um, and then I don't know. The Dodgers are boring. They've they've done this plenty. I've seen them plenty. Uh, no one likes the Astros, or you shouldn't like the Astros. So. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I still have a soft spot for the Rangers because I I spent um, I spent like ten years living in Dallas, but uh, I I just I feel like the Twins should go. That like that just feels it's our time. It's, it's, I love an underdog, and Thank like you. it's it's a fun team to watch, and they I don't know they deserve it so they're, much. They're more trying than out Astros. Astros. 
Uh, let's see. Andrew Baker says, Hey, Max, uh, I'm strolling th- through the grocery store and I've got one question on my mind. What is the candy bar you get occasionally when chan- when standing in the checkout line? What's the go-to? For me, it's... Great question. Twix or I think Milky Way is my number one. Mars bar. <laughs> Mars bar. For me, Hershey's cookies and cream. You dirty dog. Whoa. I got yeah, it since I was a kid and I always expect it to be like time limited and going to go away at some point. Yeah. It's still there. You can still <laughs> grab it. I feel like... What I... about cookies and cream feels time limited? I know exactly what you mean, but yeah. why do we feel that way? I don't I, know. I'm with you 100%. That Yeah, that doesn't feel like a, a permanent flavor. Right. <laughs> It's living on borrowed time. Cookies are rare, and cream is so rare. <laughs> Aldi's has um, chocolate bars that look bougie, but they're like two dollars, and so I'll always grab some of those. Aldi's <laughs> chocolate bars, interesting. And Aldi's peanut butter cups. Mini M and M's. Mini M and M's. Mini M and M's. There's just something mini. different when they're small and like in a. There's something about the size of the mini M and M in the tube. Are those like, they got the them in a shareable tube. size now. You can get a full bag of them and you can stick your hand in. That's so dangerous. Sensory experience. (laughs) There's something special about like doing like throwing the mini M and M's back like a shot in the tube. (laughs) You can fill up tubes. I'd have to get a tube and fill it. Like I can't recreate it in a bag. Shot glass. You can fill up a champagne flute now. Uh, Channing Freeman says, I've been replaying Cyberpunk now that Phantom Liberty is out. If you set your controller down during an early mission, Jackie Wells will say, Ring a ding ding, choom. Let's get going. And he says it exactly every eight seconds until you proceed with the mission. Why do <laughs> games do this? If a player is idle, they presumably have a reason they're idle. <laughs> Forgot I was supposed to be playing this. Right. It is It is a good point. I guess it's because it shatters the reality of the world if everyone's just staring at you quietly, but also immediately shatters the reality of the world when they say something and then you don't do anything. And then, every eight seconds? Yeah. Yeah. I have the best idle story. Take it away. With Fallout Fallout 4? I think it was Fallout 4. When it was, I just had gotten my PlayStation 4 and I was so excited that my mom called me upstairs to do something. And I had booted up Fallout 4. It was the first game I ever played. And I put it down when you're in like the main house of the bad guy or whatever. Like the game starts out and you're with the bad guy. He's like talking to you. And I went upstairs and apparently if you just stay idle, you get a mysterious ending cutscene oh, if you just stay, if you don't leave. So I came back downstairs to the game, like a, an ending cutscene. And I like, I was still, I was like, what? <laughs> I was just upstairs for a minute. It was like the end. And I was like, I had to Google it. They're like, yeah, there's a secret cutscene. I was like, what? Oh. And I like, I came down at the perfect time, right? When the cutscene mm. was starting, he was getting in a helicopter or something. And I was like, what's happening? I was like, you did it. Let's go. And then it was like the end. And the credits <laughs> started rolling. And I was like, <laughs> and yeah, Far Cry weird. 4, I think that was. That yeah. was really funny. Yeah. Oh, what did I, I say? Fallout he said 4, Fallout. Fallout 4, Far Cry 4. Okay, you. there we go. There Easy we go. Thing. Jared Pierce writes in. It's a, they say, do you think there exists a scenario where you could be moved to tears by a vocal performance of Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO? Is there anything in the world that could make that happen? Move to tears. <laughs> it, would, it would need to be a very specific scenario. Yeah. Like, the world would actually have to be ending, and I would be like, is this how I go out? Oh, Listening. shuffling with the people in so your Shuffling, and I'd be dancing, you know? Like, <laughs> as the sun comes closer to the earth, like, yeah, I think I'd cry. <laughs> so it's, it's just not the song itself, it's just you need to be in an environment that's so bad you're crying. I do think the song would so add to the situation of the world ending, though. Right, right, right. Like, it's I don't think I'd want song. to die to any other song, honestly. <laughs> 
Is there a like slow instrumental version of Party Rock Anthem? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> and it's going to be used yeah. in the next AAA game reveal trailer. I'm feeling pretty confident about. I, I want to go make that infuser right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe maybe if it was like a um, interstellar situation and I was like Matt Damon putting myself in the cryo tank and I haven't seen another person for like 20 years or whatever. And then somebody wakes me up by playing that song, and it's just like a weird nostalgia blast for all of planet Earth. I need to, I need to combine all everything that's good about life and planet Earth and funnel it through the prism of Party Rock Anthem before I feel like I'd get emotional based on the performance of Party Rock Anthem. My one of my favorite interviews is with John Taffer of Bar Rescue. It's a text interview. The interview closes out with him talking about the second of two times he's ever cried in a bar. And he said it was when a band was playing a song in the 80s. The band was The Knack. The song was My Sharona. (laughs) (laughs) Powerful. It doesn't feel far off if you can cry at that. I feel like it's all just the power of the performance. (laughs) Uh, Tom writes in and says, hey, do either Ben or Leo remember the name of Leo's stealth game from last week? Take it away, Leo. Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew. Way to go. Uh, have you started that I, yet, Jeff? It really took me a while. <laughs> it was a lot of times learning it. I was feeling very confident about it up until I read the question that I had a cold panic of, oh, uh, crap, I forgot <laughs> what the first words are. Have you started that thing, Jeff? I haven't. Okay. Is nope. it Baldur's Gate 3, Hanson? I'd, I'd rather play it than Baldur's Gate 3, but with all due oh. respect to Baldur's Gate 3, with all due respect, Leo, no, calm I down. I would rather play Baldur's Gate. I don't know why I'm oh, playing Shadow okay. Gambit. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Rabbit Lime asks, okay, I'm sick of this question over and over again. Does reality exist within the universe or is the universe inside this reality? This feels more like a Twitter poll. Can't both to... be true? No. You can't be can't inside be an experience. That doesn't make sense to me. Inside reality? So yeah, basically, if reality encompasses the universe, that's my answer. Yeah. So if the universe it's, didn't exist. Reality is experiencing the universe. Yeah, I think that's right. So if the universe ceased to exist, reality would still exist? There'd be a reality, even if it was nothing. But there, even if no, no one was experiencing it. The one true reality? Jeffem's reality? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, definitive as we can get. Uh, Dustin L. Sarah, do you like those kinds of questions? It depends. Yeah. When was the last time you think you had like a good scientific slash religious epiphany in your life? <laughs> not, not recently. Not recently. Not on a podcast, Hanson. Surely not on a podcast. <laughs> Why not here? Why not now? But like within the last 10 years, you think you've had that like universe I think moment. we've all had that moment within the last 10 years. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Okay. What he's asking is, have you ever done hallucinogens? <laughs> yeah. Stamps.com. That you I weighed, weighed earlier. How's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your brain plasticity? <laughs> uh, Dustin L. writes in with a specific question that it should be for the group, but who are we kidding? Dustin L. says, I know all the cohorts are super plugged into the latest and greatest video game news, but I was wondering how well you all know the price of used video games. With most game purchases being digital nowadays, I think some of these prices may surprise you. So here's a quick over-under game. I'll give you a game and a price point. Kelsey Lewin, you tell me if if the actual price is over or under this number. 
Is it just me again? Or are we just? I mean, just wait, can we all can we all just like thumbs up, thumbs down if it's over or under? Yeah, and then Kelsey can can volley it uh, for the correct answer. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, Kelsey, over or under for the used price of this game currently? Um, and oh, answer with the real price from GameFly's latest sale. Apparently, it's where these numbers are coming from. So is it- Gamefly. Yeah, Gamefly. We're going off a Gamefly? Oh, so these are like recent used games? Yes. Yes. So this isn't uh, going back in the history here. Okay, here we go. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, $30. That's used. People are saying That's used. I'm saying under. Correct. $27.99 is the used price of Star Wars Jedi Survivor currently. Uh, Wait, but aren't we all saying that that price price is over? No, no, no. That's what my thumb was supposed to be. Well, your thumb was incorrect. No, they're giving a number, and then you say whether the actual price is over or under that. Okay. Got it. So you got to figure out your thumb Okay, now that we've done a test run. Now we're in it. Here we go. Kelsey, Final Fantasy 16 for $39.99. Where's the actual price? That was a $70 game at launch, right? It was. I was going to say that's probably about 40 right now. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say it's like 45 then. I'm sorry. It is 39 or 34.99 apparently. Okay, Gamefly right. for Final Fantasy. I, I, okay, Gamefly is not the metric I'm using to be like. <laughs> Should I, look I at, thought this was going to be like, is Earthbound $200? Oh, God. It, okay. <laughs> Dustin L., you can write in with uh, some ancient stuff for Kelsey. Okay, here we go. Lord of the Rings Gollum, $12.99. Actual price over or under for used. Please tell me it's under. Please oh, tell me it's a, just like free. There's an actual price option as well. Well, no, just for the okay. used price. I still think that's over slightly. Uh, correct. No, we're doing uh, fourteen ninety nine. You got it, Haley. Here yeah. we go. Uh, thank you, Justin L, <laughs> for writing in hot game price trivia. Um, all right, that is it. By the way. Fun fact, uh, we're going to start doing something where if you submitted a question over on Patreon and we didn't read it on this here show, there's a chance uh, it's still being answered on Party Chat, our bonus podcast. I'm taking some of the the better questions that we don't get to in the main show, and that's going to be in our bonus podcast and the bonus podcast feed for Patreon supporters. So if your answer wasn't, uh, your question wasn't answered here, it might be on Party Chat. So tune in every week, please, in that bonus podcast feed. Um, but what do y'all like for a question of the week? I mean, how people improve their lives. It's that's tough to top. A very sweet one. I mean, the candy bar one is great. There's no doubt about it. But is everybody feeling the party all right? Party rock anthem one is good too. Party rock anthem's good, no doubt. Which way would you go, Leo? If you had to choose, think about it. Uh, See, Leo is also my moral compass, so mm-hmm. I agree with him in the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like party rock anthem question writers can learn the most from. What? So that would be my answer for best. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> I get it. So that's More the model. More questions like that. You like it. Good weird thinkers. Now, I liked Alex Britt's angle of the changes brought the most happiness, but where's everybody else at? Yeah, no, it's great too. I don't want to... It's wanna... great. No, there's no doubt it's great. There's no doubt it's great. It's just we solved it. It's just people are happy now. Right, what right, right. question are people going to write? I'm just trying to get a read from the group other than Sarah, who's drafting behind Leo Vader... Mm-hmm. Read from the group. Do we want to give this to the question about LMFAO versus self so Ben, here's, here's, here's my issue with you, and I think <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. will back me up yeah. on this. Uh-oh. You have 
you had your answer already that you <laughs> wanted to give to people. I know. And if Leo Why had agreed you with you, it? you wouldn't ask anyone else. You'd be like, Leo said, we're done. But because yes. Leo said what you didn't want, mm-hmm. now you're opening it up to further people. And I, I disagree with that as a concept. Fake democracy. So. Okay. okay. All right. From here on out, we're sticking with it. Real democracy. We asked Leo. Leo will give us the answer. So congratulations, of course, to Jared Pierce for winning question of the week because we're people of honor here at MinMax. I was just trying to see if there would be an outrage from anybody else. That's all that was happening there. Uh, for what it's worth, I would have voted with you, but I, I disagree with your process. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's so, fair. Yeah. That's what she we're here for. the root of it, and I respect that so much. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. Leo, hit us. Here we go. What do you got? Get a load of this. So... I was watching a YouTube video with my sweetie of a British guy touring Las Vegas's Carnival Carnival Hotel. And British people, God bless them, they got stupid names for everything. He walks through the, the carnival, he, see, he sees bumper cars, and he says, oh, they've got dodgums. Dodgums. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> dodgums. <laughs> we agreed it's bumper cars. And then I look it up, and what else? As always, it was called dodgums first. Because the point was you were dodging each other. And then people just started crashing into each other. A a different concept? Like bumper cars, the the point is to bump into the cars. Yeah, Yeah, they definitely pivoted... (laughs) <laughs> towards what people I want to know whose idea was like no people will swerve out of the way at the last <laughs> second like whose idea was like no no no, no. I'll, I'll swerve we'll just drive at each other mm. and at the last minute we'll both swerve I, not that's like, hitting bumper cars is just driving we, that's yeah, we do it every day boring. it sucks yeah I love that idea. that's like a game design pivot I like the idea of like Oh no! What's what's that? What are people doing? Okay, yeah, no, this is called bumper cars. The point is to ram into people. Absolutely, we meant that the whole They're time. They're not dodging with our dodgems. <laughs> dodgems. <That's perfect. laughs> go back to the drawing board. Hold Ooh. on, shut it down. Pause it, everybody. We gotta explain to you what a dodgem is. There, there's there's not even like roads or a track that you go around. No, you're all just in one giant arena, right? Going right. in any direction. Correct. I think at the start you might have been tr- trying to go in a circle. Around the arena. That sucks. Nah, that's that's no good. Make a track then, lazy. That's the beauty of early access. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, get a load of this. Uh, this last weekend, uh, we had a big Minnesota history uh, weekend trip with the whole family where it was all like southwestern Minnesota and a bunch of like battle uh, battlefields from the Dakota War of 1862 and a bunch of cool stuff like that. But there's something in Minnesota that I'd never been to before and it, it was fantastic. It's called Jeffers Petroglyphs. Have you heard of this, Jeffer Marchiafava? <laughs> yeah, of course. Really? Everyone's been to Jeffers Petroglyphs. Have you? No. Well, I'm going to start a stampede going there after this, by God. Uh, they're freaking awesome. It's a bunch of petroglyphs, but it's on um, Sioux Quartzite, just this really hard rock. So all of these carvings have just been like amazingly preserved and the tour guide blew my freaking mind where she's like, oh, yeah, the, we're dating these uh, petroglyphs. They go back starting between seven and 9,000 years ago. So she's like, this is well before the pyramids, well before Stonehenge, well before any of that stuff. And it's just these awesome relics from human history that is right here in Minnesota. And we don't really talk about that much, but it is mind blowing. And like, yeah, they have just cool carvings in there from, you know, thousands and thousands of years across time. But one of them is she had some way of phrasing it like it's the largest prehistoric map 
in existence, but it is a map of like hunting grounds and it's the size of a three car garage that was just carved into this rock thousands of years ago. It's like, it's just mind boggling stuff. So Jeffers Petroglyphs, if you're in Minnesota, check it out. Cool history. I think they should come up with a better name. It's truly bad. Especially, (laughs) I really, I don't know. I maybe Jeffers found it, but like you got to let go, buddy. Found it. That is exactly, we talked (laughs) about that. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, there was a family in the 1900s, the Jeffers, uh, and so it's named after them. But like we even at, we asked like, is there like um, a Native American word for this place? And like, yes. And it was one of those where apparently like they uh, brought somebody in to give it an official Native American word in like the 70s or 80s. And God bless them. But it's like, you know, it's one of those words that's like three paragraphs long. So I think it was one of those like, if it had a shorter Native American word, we could work it in. But we'll just stick with Jeffers Petroglyphs. Thank you. So it's a mess. Uh, Sarah, you got one? Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's not as cool as yours. Um, Thank you. Get a load of this. One of my hobbies is finding out all the weird brands and things that Japan likes to make hot anime guys out of. That is my hobby. Um, recently, Sanrio released a series of knights who have pledged themselves to the various Sanrio characters to fight for their honor. So each Sanrio character, and like even like the most obscure characters, like one of them is just a piece of salmon. They now have a hot <laughs> anime boy swearing Does fealty Kitatama to them. have one? Yeah, I'm not, they're not revealed yet. They're slowly revealing them. Like, this just started. And they've been slowly revealing each and every one. Um, and, I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. I love it. I'm scared. They haven't announced what it's going right to be, now. though. Awesome. That's the thing. Is, like, is it a video game? Mm. Is it a mobile game? Is it is it going to be, like, a, a CD drama? Like, what are we doing here? And they're like, I here's some... Hot guys. Are the hot guys going to wash up on the beach and like Hello Kitty Island Adventure? Like, where are we? That would be great. Yeah. We need people to worship. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> Kelsey, you going? Uh, yeah. Get a load of this. Um, apparently, Analog, the company that makes, you know, the, the NT Mini and the Super NT and the Analog Pocket and all that stuff, they apparently announced something on October 16th every year. And, uh, some people already knew this, I guess, but it was it was news to me. So I saw that, like, oh, we're going to be announcing something else on the 16th. And uh, someone in one of the discords I was in was like, hey, hey, what gives with this October 16th thing? And I looked it up, and yeah, 2017, they announced the Super NT. 2018, they announced the Mega SG. 2019, they announced the Pocket, et cetera, et cetera. And so they, they announced something every October 16th. All right. Look forward to it, everybody. That's cool. Do you have an analog Pocket thing? I do. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get one of the um, new, like the transparent shell ones because I am still so disappointed by the Super NT that I got. That was like the clear, the transparent one. What they showed on the website was this like crystal clear looking one, and it is a super cloudy mm. transparent. It was, a, it was a real excellent system but uh very false advertising on the like transparency of the transparent ones it's Yuck. it's not good uh jeffum did you have a good load of this uh yeah get a load of this uh this is a video from a channel called stand-up maths that i watch too much of um and it's called why does this balloon have negative one holes in it <laughs> uh and it's a it's a half hour video talking about the maths behind how how like mathematicians decide what a hole is and and what constitutes a hole in different things and he walks through a bunch of different um examples including 
balloons and a pair of pants. If you took the pants and you sewed the two legs shut, then how many holes would it have? Uh, and the answer surprises you every time because mathematicians, I don't know how they're um, Chan in the chat is saying, God, I love Jeff. Uh, yeah, these are, the kind, <laughs> these are the kind of videos I watch. It's it's all super interesting um, and it's a lot of math and it's very weird, but you should check it out. I wish Can you I had been there the when Ben and I were trying to do basic fifth oh, grade God. math. <laughs> For new show. <laughs> on the edge. I wish you had been there. We were it was embarrassing. Sweating. It was rough. We were sweating. Uh, Jeff, just to tie our weekends together, apparently. Uh, there is, we're learning about this Ojibwe chief, uh, and it's the coolest chief name I've ever heard in my life. His name was Hole in the Day. Isn't that a badass chief name? Mm. Okay, anyway, sorry. Haley, do you got cool. one? Nice. That's a cool one. Uh, get a load of this. Um, Rocket League said they're going to stop allowing player to player trading in December, which apparently is a very big deal. For that type of game, um, I didn't realize they allowed player-to-player trading, which I think is like a unique thing. So I was I read their terms and conditions <laughs> as I like to do. What can and you I, trade? Like skins or yeah, like like car parts and stuff. Yeah, and huh. so it's kind of revealed this whole background fraudulent market that goes on where people like hold car parts in escrow <laughs> to like <laughs> trade and like all this stuff. So they're all like, oh god, they like won't be able to do it. And then you know like Psionics, who's now owned by Epic. So this is all probably because Epic's like, all right, you need to be more epicy with your with your DLC or monetization yeah. methods and stuff like that. Um, so the, yeah, it was like Psionics came out and they're like, any third party service is fraudulent. Like we never printed that from the start because they're all kind of complaining now. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what their terms say. Like that, it's just like it's such a weird thing how the, like it just destroys the secondary market. Yeah. That's completely fan based. And like, as far as I know, I feel like as long as no actual money is changing hands, like which would be like illegal because that then you're like having tax problems and tax evasion worries. But as long as you're just like trading things for other non monetized like, you know, if I traded one car skin for one of those car little blinky things on the front that wiggle around, like if I did that on a third party website, technically you're violating the terms, but they've let it happen all this time and it's kind of become part of that service. It's like, feels weird to revoke it, but I mean, they're totally free to it's just like a weird thing that's happening that they, I think they tried to quietly release and they got a bunch of pushback. They're like, you cannot do this. People are doing like petitions. Oh, you like boy. reverse the change.org. <laughs> yeah. Literally like change.org petitions for rocket league to keep trading in it in, in the game. Yeah. Yeesh. Interesting. Uh, Jeff, did you pull one from the community discord? Uh, yeah, get a load of this. Um, this is from Michael Martyrs. Uh, and it's it's a link to a Carl Yopst um, video, which I hope I'm saying is his name right. But it's the video is called Impossible Doom Challenge Finally Completed After 30 Years. And there's basically been, uh, you know, obviously there are speed runs of levels in Doom. And one of the categories for it is... Um, how fast you can complete a level while killing 100% of the enemies in it. But the last level in the original Doom was always an exception because when you get to the end of it, you kind of get stuck in this little place in the dark and it's full of enemies and they just all attack you at the same time. And the the floor of the level also does damage to you. So you die within like 11 seconds is like the longest that you can live. Uh, and so the, the speedrunning community always assumed this is impossible if you get 60 if you kill 63% of the enemies which is all the other enemies before that part that counts as a speed run 
Um, but I guess this one uh, player, I think his name was Zero Masters, he decided to try it. Uh, and so he wrote this entire script or, you know, like a script that played it, like played through it like 5,000 times. And he figured out a way to do it. And then he studied that and he actually performed it himself. Um, and so he's the only person who has ever beat it with 100% kills. And so now there's this big debate within the community of because his time was much lower than the other ones. And it's like, well, technically, you're the only one who's ever done it. So should that supersede all the other ones? But then there wouldn't there basically wouldn't be speed running for that level at that point because he's the only one who's ever actually figured it out. Uh, and so it, it, the video goes through like kind of the entire history of it and everything. Uh, and it's very cool. entertaining and interesting. Links below for all this fun stuff. Sarah, the ribbons on your shirt, it looks like a second pair of hands sometimes and it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's, cool. uh, that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this whole thing, everybody. Uh, let's see. At MinMax, we have uh, earlier this week, we had an interview with the CEO of Atari, Wade Rosen, who apparently lives in Minneapolis. And so he came by the MinMax studio, which is fun to do a, a long in-person interview where he talks about how they own the rights to Bubsy again, our dear friends, and he's looking for an indie team to reach out. Uh, also, we talk about Night Dive, who Atari acquired, and their remastered games, you know, Quake 2, they have Dark Forces coming up. Um, it's it an interesting chat, so thanks to everybody who checked that out um, and is sending kind words about that I interview. I can't believe you put this man in your basement. That was <laughs> the first thing I thought. It's like, the Atari CEO came over to your house, and then immediately you were like, <laughs> Get in my basement. Yeah, well, well, don't get large stuff he wasn't allowed to answer too. You, <laughs> you, you, What's that? There were there were some. You had some questions in there where he was like, he was like, I I don't think I can answer that. <laughs> oh, because of these lousy shareholders, they have yeah. to get the first info. Or it whatever. was a great interview though. Oh, thank Did you. Did you ask thank him you, what Kelsey. he thinks of that CeeLo Green lyric? If no. he's offended. No, no, I, I didn't even get to that. Xbox number Atari. No, I, no. I, round <laughs> two. Offended. We'll get him back to the studio. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, Sarah, do you think it's embarrassing to think the basement? Like, I think on camera it looks fine, but it's definitely like you know laundry uh, dangling off of a dryer just off camera. Do you think it's embarrassing to bring a CEO to? Is that the idea? I mean, he came, so obviously not. Well, he didn't walk he, out. He didn't seem like yeah. He didn't immediately turn around and go like, no, no, dude, I'm not getting into your basement. <laughs> It's a studio, Sarah. It's not a basement. Anyway, I feel like maybe 10 years ago you would want a professionalism, but now it's all about authenticity, baby. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, also, uh, on our YouTube channel and in the bonus podcast feed, if you want a lot more Final Fantasy VII discussion, uh, we had a big spoiler-filled discussion about Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis because that weird mobile game contains something called First Soldier, which is a new origin story for Sephiroth. And so I got myself and a couple old high school friends, Grant and Ronnie, um, middle school friends, I suppose, uh, to come over. We unpack all that stuff. So that also is in the bonus podcast feed. In addition to Haley and Sarah's big discussions about Baldur's Gate 3 and Party Chat, where we also talk about Ahsoka, all that fun stuff. Uh, also, a uh, quick plug, we have a giveaway happening on Mimax's uh, Twitter account. If you check out our Twitter account, we're doing a giveaway for PAX Unplugged. You can win a free three-day pass to PAX Unplugged, which is in Pennsylvania. Uh, so just retweet that tweet, and uh, you can get a free ticket to PAX Unplugged there if you're in that area. Also, a reminder, Trivia Tower, coming up on Tuesday, October 17th. We have Ash Parrish from The Verge joining us for Trivia Tower Tournament of Champions. If you support us on Patreon, even at that $2 tier, you can compete in game trivia and win a game code for Star Wars Jedi Survivor and a whole bunch more. 
also, last thing on this end is uh, Jacob Geller is doing a big charity stream uh, called the Sword Stream that's coming up Friday and Saturday, 24-hour stream. Uh, a bunch of us and other friends of the show and friends of Jacob's YouTube channel are going to be rotating through, encouraging him uh, in the big marathon stream for charity. So you can check that out on Jacob Geller's Twitch channel, Leo. That's the place to be. That's the place to be. Okay, cool. Check it out, everybody. We'll put a link in the description for you as well. Anybody else got anything they're dying to scream about? I just want to say that starts at 2 p.m. on Friday. Thank you. 2 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, Friday the 13th. <laughs> no! Uh, all right. Also, thank you, everybody, at the Game Champion tier. If you join that $50 tier on Patreon, you're in the description for every MinMax video and podcast. And then also you get a shout-out on the show, and you're in the big Game Championship poll. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Maniac is the champion of Total War Warhammer 3. And Trampoline Tales has declared themselves the champion of luck be a landlord. So thank you everybody who supports us at that game champion tier. And that is truly it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. On behalf of Jeffem, Haley, Sarah, Leo, Kelsey, and the entire crew. I guess we have a majority here right here right now. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for supporting MinMax and uh, watching and listening to it. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Four freaks by freaks. <laughs>